He thought he was in control. How wrong he was. It's time for the Salmon Season Devilish Duology. What's up? It's Shane with Dynamis Media, and I'm joined here with Stefan. That's me. And if you haven't noticed, uh, I do have some sort of cold, I think. Uh, definitely not COVID. Um, definitely as not. The dis- as the band Disturbed would say in like the early 2000s, you're down with the sickness, eh? Damn, that's good. We're going to end on that one. All right, show's over. Show's over. Take care, everybody. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Smash cut. No. Um... So today, I think we've got a pretty cool movie. Um, I, you and I were talking a little bit before, and you're like, I don't think you're as into this one as I am. Um, probably not, but um, f- so for people that haven't watched the movie, it is The Gate, um, or if you didn't read the title of the episode. Uh, so this movie is pretty interesting. Um, I did not think it was going to be like this. I've never seen this movie. So this is the first time I've seen it. And I was pleasantly surprised by a lot of the stuff and also a young Steven Dorff. So I don't know. Yeah, what, what are your thoughts Deacon here? Deacon Frost himself. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, so I've seen this movie before. Um, I, I think that each time I watch it, I get a little something different out of it. Um, I have a lot of affection for it because it, it's like, there, I feel like there aren't as many like great movies that came out in the year I was born, 1987. And this one did like, basically two calendar months before I was born. And it's like, yes, this was the harbinger as I approached this mortal, this mortal plane. (laughs) But like, yeah. So like, I feel like it's cool that, uh, the, that movie is like almost connected to my origins in that way. But also I, I think that, um, a lot of the things that I, I love about like, um, these, you know, eighties horror movies is like here in force. But then the things that I kind of hate about them is too, specifically uh, teenagers arguing. <laughs> a lot of that. Yeah, it's real trivial. Um, but I, I think they did a pretty good job at like, it, it was believable. I mean, it was annoying, but so are most of those arguments in real life. So it's true. Yeah, teenagers just tend to be annoying. This is this is the facts. Truth, truth. Did you? I don't think we have any real housekeeping to get to, do we? We. Like we can probably just jump straight to it. Well, or did you have some things? So, yeah. So this is the first part of our, uh, Samhain season devilish duology. Oh yeah. I guess I should have yeah. said that. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I'm like, Jesus dude. <laughs> yes. The Samhain season devilish duology. So Stefan's not, not the head of marketing anymore. So <laughs> yeah, no, they, I didn't, I did not graduate with a degree in public relations. Also, I probably went a little wild with the alliteration and I'm guess what? I'm going to do it again. Every time that I have the opportunity to pick like some kind of block for us, I'm going to try to do alliteration. So if you like it, alliteration, great news. If you don't like it, shut up. 
Yeah, you chud. Anyways, uh, so we are um, also, I keep talking about the merch store. We're working on some t-shirt designs. Um, once we get those finalized, we will go on the the old Twitter and Instagram. And I guess I need a Facebook or I need to make a Facebook for us. Um, I don't know. But you know where we are. Follow us. You can find us. Um, I think uh, I think that's really all the housekeeping we have. Oh, uh, so AGB is still streaming, going strong. He's starting to do horror games for, um, you know, the uh, spooky season. I think he's doing Dead Space right now. So if you're interested in seeing the Dead Space remake, uh, go over and check it out. He and I also talked. We might do try to do some kind of like mashup or or like a collab where we do some um, some ghost hunting. You know, get the old uh, phantasmagoria. No phasmophobia. So we oh, might go in and yeah, do some phasmophobia, which is fucking terrifying. If you haven't played that game, it is life changingly terrifying, um, especially after the new updates. Life changingly terrifying, dude. It, it's it is like, uh, trust me. Have you played it? <laughs> No, I think I've gone on record about how I won't even finish playing the Resident Evil 2 remake because of that scene where you had to go into the parking garage. It was real dark. And I was like, nah, so like, nah, so I'm just going to go play Spire the Dragon. There you go. So some of the ghosts <laughs> won't react if, if there's like multiple people in the house. So like, then you kind of have to like say, okay, hey, who's going to go in by themselves, right? And the it's like, it's not 4D audio. It's that weird audio. It's like spatial audio. So like, you know, it's moving things in different rooms and you can hear it. You can hear how close it is and stuff. It really plays with your senses. So um, it's pretty spooky. But yeah, I think it's probably the only thing that we have coming up. Um, the other shows, I, I think they're going to start releasing stuff soon. I haven't really talked to them about it, but we should get some stuff, um, you know, coming down the pipeline. Um, well, I hope you have fun playing Phasmophobia, dude. Well, I, I, you might be involved in that too. Absolutely not. <laughs> zero percent chance. Would you, Are you even watch me? it i don't know man i mean i could try to play it but you know how i am with spooky video games they get to me they get me real real good so there's a I tried to re- just replay the, the quarry recently and the oh quarry God. is just like one of those like on rails ones yeah. basically well, and i couldn't are, even do that those are different because like you know it's coming you know so I like fake out scares moments where you have to walk around I don't like walking around in video games where there's something scary that could be happening. That's fair. So, <laughs> speaking of video games, what are we getting into today? <laughs> Definitely not a video game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting into the gate, the the um the film that dares to ask, "What if some kids in Canada opened a gate to hell?" I don't know if you understood that this movie took place in Canada. It's kind of subtext, but it's definitely there. Yeah, I could tell by the haircuts, um, you know, and uh, definitely some of the garb. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, I was actually shocked at how, and we'll get into this, I was shocked how the gate actually was opened, which is probably my favorite part of the movie. But um, But before that, why don't we get into who's all in the cast? Yeah, we could definitely do that. Um, well, now I don't want to. <laughs> I'll start with the director, as I always do. Um, we're gonna go with uh, with the pronunciation. We're gonna go with like I choose the director. No, I'm gonna try to pronounce it here. Quentin oh, just as like no, no, no absolutely oh, okay. not. There were no feet in this. 
actually there were situations where feet were involved but um <laughs> one thing i want to say real quick just in case like you were the when you're like editing or if the uh listeners hear some uh the sound of like a mouse scrolling um i've decided to use a separate monitor rather than print my notes and you'd hear the rustling of papers i'm using like a separate monitor in order to like have my notes and stuff up i'm going to try that out if the mouse scrolling is too jarring i will just go back to paper um that was like my third favorite thing about this show was the rustling the rustling of paper yeah yeah it's a real analog thing we got going on here on this purely digitally delivered (laughs) show but anyways uh the director the name if i can pronounce it correctly is uh tibor uh takax takax i'm not actually sure how to pronounce his name um some Number one on his uh, credits list here is going to be uh, Gate to the Trespassers. So he did the second gate. So don't worry, he didn't abandon the series. Um, his career from there takes some interesting twists and turns. Uh, he did a bunch of different television shows. Uh, probably the most interesting one to me was uh, The Outer Limits. He did four episodes of that. Uh, more interesting to other people would probably be that he directed the uh, initial uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch like TV movie. That was like the the movie that led into the show with Melissa Joan Hart. Um, and I think he later did like Sabrina Goes to Rome, which I'm assuming is part of the same series because she was in it. And it would be weird if she was just a different character named Sabrina. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a couple episodes of uh, The Crow, Stairway to Heaven. Uh, and then this is where his uh, career starts to really diverge in two interesting ways. One is Hallmark Christmas movies. And the other one is Sci-Fi Channel original movies about uh cgi monsters they're like almost the same (laughs) yes right i mean they do both pop up with alarming regularity almost on a seasonal basis so you do have a point and they're like formulaic and (laughs) they are and they're all monsters some are just cgi so oh Uh. uh yeah so uh once and twice upon a christmas once upon a christmas and twice upon a christmas that's not one title that's two different upon a christmases uh Killer Rats, Nature Unleashed, uh, colon Earthquake, Mansquito, uh, Kraken, Tentacles of the Deep, uh, It's Christmas Eve, uh, Ice Spiders, which I actually <laughs> love Ice Spiders, uh, Rocky Mountain Christmas, Mega Snake, Meteor Storm, Memories of Christmas, uh, Spiders, also known as Spiders 3D, uh, A Christmas Miracle, uh, eight episodes of a show called My Babysitter's a Vampire. I don't know what that is, uh, but that was involved there. But for the, all the rest of them before that, see if you can guess, listeners, uh, hit us up on Twitter if you can guess which one of those are sci-fi channel monster movies <laughs> and which one of those are Christmas movies. Here's a hint. If it mentions Christmas, it's probably not a sci-fi channel movie. I wonder if uh, Spiders and Christmas Miracle are in the same universe. You know, I'd really love to see Ice Spiders do a crossover with one of these, like maybe Rocky Mountain Christmas. Because I, if I remember Ice Spiders correctly, I think it takes place at like a uh, like a ski resort, which you know what mountains have those. It, to- it actually it does. <laughs> like no shit, Perfect. I just clicked it. It literally does. Good for you. Wow, I'm so I'm so good at knowing this. <laughs> I actually did recently watch that because it is Ice Spiders is or at least was on Tubi. And sometimes I just like to throw some garbage on Tubi and just like, let it rock. And I was like, I want to watch these spiders show up in the ice and just eat folks. And they do it. And there's also one, a similar one that's about a, a shark in the snow. I can't remember what that one's called, but it's like a, it's like a snow shark. 
so there you go. That's all I'm going to cover for Tibor Takax. He had a, his most recent one was something called Black Warrant. I don't know what that is. It came out in 2022. Uh, he seems to still be working. So looking forward to the next uh, poorly CGI creature feature that he's going to spit out there for uh, direct streaming. So excited for that. Next up uh, is the writer, uh, which is Michael Nankin. And I'm going to go into him quite a bit here because he has a very interesting career to me. So his writing, he really only did a handful of things. Midnight Madness, Ruskies, The Gate 2. You know, he stuck with the series. He was a series creator and writer on The Protector. Don't know what that is. Cool. But he had way more work directing, like a lot of TV show directing. Uh, some some heavy hitters like Early Edition, Dresden Files, Eureka, Sarah Connor Chronicles, uh, the uh, sci-fi channel version of uh, Battlestar Galactica. He did like eight episodes of that one. Uh, and also four episodes of Caprica, the spinoff. So, you know, he stuck with that one. Uh, he was like on 13 episodes of Defiance, which was actually a pretty cool little sci-fi uh, story that I think that you can see it on Prime now. I think that like one of the, I think it was a network thing and I got picked up by Prime later or something like that. Uh, a few episodes of uh, Hell on Wheels. So he probably had to direct the Swede to say Bohannon at one point. Bohannon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, some interesting like genre stuff, the purge, the series, uh, the flash star girl, the exorcist, uh, Van Helsing, handful episodes of that, the newer Van Helsing show, uh, and also production work on defiance, the exorcist and Van Helsing. So it's really crazy how like he's the writer on this, but the bulk of his credits are directing, uh, mostly television, but some really interesting television, at least to me. So there was that. We did Um, woo assassins too, which it's on Netflix. I love that show. I don't know why. It's not good, but oh, that was in my notes. I just skipped over it. So whoopsies. I got That's what happens when my notes aren't written out. I I just read them out of order. Crazy. If I don't have paper in my hands, I just go where I want to. You know. And what about um, the Amish sin? That looks that looks pretty. Uh... Yeah, I didn't know what that was. I didn't want to say those words because it sounds gross. Looks, so yeah, it's based on true as... events. It's kind of weird. Oh, cool! Even better. Yeah. Now I don't want to make an enemy out of our Amish listeners community. So. Yeah, Lebanon and Levi. Is that the dude from uh, Amish Mafia? Yeah. <laughs> I had to caption that back when I used to do closed captioning stuff. So that's the only what reason a, I What a time to be that. alive. Truly. Uh, I mean, better than Property Brothers. My God, I couldn't stand captioning that. Um. Anyways, onward to the music. Uh, there's actually two people responsible for the music on this. Uh, Michael uh, Honig and J. Peter uh, Robinson. Uh, both of them have pretty extensive careers and some really interesting stuff in their backgrounds. Uh, Honig uh, was uh, on the Max Headroom show. I uh, did the music for the Blob remake, the 80s Blob remake. Uh, he did, uh, this is interesting, uh, the expansions for both Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2, like the original like CRPGs. Mm-hmm. He did music for those. Uh, Dracula 3000. Um, and what was interesting, he was listed as a performer uh, on uh, Galaxy of Terror, which is a Roger Corman film. And then music department for Jewel of the Nile, which is the sequel to Romancing the Stone. That's not as good. The people do not enjoy it as much, but I'll be damned if he wasn't in the music department for that thing. <laughs> uh, as for Robinson, uh, his, he's got some interesting ones. Return of the Living Dead Part 2, uh, Cocktail, Police Story 1 and 2. So he's got a lot of stuff. Like as I dart back and forth here, you're going to see a through line. So I'll just tell you now it's going to be Jackie Chan stuff. Uh, so he had 16 episodes of The Wonder Years, Wayne's World, and Sino Man, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, uh, one of the Highlander movies, The Final Dimension. I don't even remember that one. 
uh, Rumble in the Bronx, uh, Jackie Chan's uh, first strike, four episodes of Tales from the Crypt, Mr. Nice Guy, uh, Brink. If you remember Brink, the show about those yep. inline or the movie about those inline skaters, it was like a Disney Channel movie. Yeah, they were so they were so good at grinding on those rails. Yeah, a few episodes each of uh, Spawn the series with our man Keith David, and then also uh, The Outer Limits, uh, Detroit Rock City, uh, 73 episodes of Charmed. Like, I didn't even know they had to do that much music in Charmed. Like, crazy. But here's the more interesting one. 45 episodes of Deadliest Catch. I never watched Deadliest Catch. Do they have music on? Like, do they have, I guess for dramatic effect, like whenever they want to do like a, like, oh, so there's a wave on the way, better do some drama, music, something like that. So this is where it gets weird. Okay. Because a lot of these guys, if they're composers, yes, it's for like either how they edited the theme song or how they um, piece together like dramatic, you know, movie or movies, dramatic uh, music for effects. But sometimes these guys are actually recording live audio on the boats. Um, I don't think that was this guy, but so shout out to those audio engineers that are, literally like filming and recording on boats like you know yeah i have to assume he wasn't scoring the show on the boat <laughs> no <laughs> like, I don't he's know, composing like he's probably probably doing stuff like you know behind the scenes in the editing room just like throwing yeah jay in, peter like, robinson uh tweet at us let us know if you were on the boat long, lifetime fan of the show <laughs> clearly probably has to be yep uh and then the last credit don't let me don't let me uh don't let me bury the lead on this one uh r.i.p.d2 <laughs> so there you go uh, the good one yeah, I think I mean yeah. Well, well, the first one wasn't good either. So, and then an, another interesting credit for both of them, both Michael Honig and uh, J. Peter Robinson, was they both had uh, different episodes of Erie, Indiana. If you remember that show, I love another, that show. Uh, yeah, so I thought that was an interesting one that they both shared like uh, episodes on that. I don't don't know if they're the same ones because their pat their careers definitely cross paths. But um, we'll we'll leave it at that. Next up, we're gonna get into the cast now. Um. I don't think there's anything else that I need to cover. I got director, writer, uh, you know, behind the scenes, the music. Uh, so we're going to go with uh, our main character, Glenn, as played by Stephen Dorff. <gasps> Deacon Frost himself from Blade. And let me tell you, uh, he made such an impact on me in Blade that I thought he was a way like bigger actor than he is. But he's really not. He's in a lot of stuff, but like not a lot of like big stuff. So. He he looms large in my in my heart because of Blade. Even though Blade Two is actually my favorite Blade, so jot that down. That'll be on the quiz. Some other stuff uh, that was interesting. Uh, Fourteen episodes of Dino Riders. Uh, he the, he was in the uh, Aerosmith video for crying. He was like the boyfriend in that. I guess. Oh my god! It was funny because he was like, credited twice for that. Like once in like the original video, and then once in some like DVD compilation or something, or, or like that they put together later. Uh, some other. Oh, another, yeah, another music video, uh, Limp Biscuits Rollin'. So Wait, there what? you go. That's what it said. That's what it said. I don't know. That's, I, I trust the internet. It had, why would it lie about that? But it, he said he was like the driver of a, of a vehicle, some f- form of vehicle, and the Limp Biscuit Rollin', and then, you know, in parentheses, air raid vehicle or whatever the, whatever the subtitle is of that thing. So, you know, one we pour one out for our man Fred Durst, who I was supposed to see in concert but didn't get to because the the festival I went to got cut short, and more importantly West Borland because I was actually more there for West Borland as we all know. Uh, some other credits: uh, Cecil B. Demented, he was himself in Zoolander. Uh, some horror movies: 
fear.com cold creek manor which is sort of a horror movie sort of not it's kind of more like a thriller uh, alone in the dark leatherface the 2017 leatherface so, you know one of those uh, as i had mentioned before like disparate timelines that are hard to follow of the chainsaw texas chainsaw universe public enemies immortals i brought that one up because you've mentioned immortals a handful of times so there you go he's in immortals uh one of the seasons of true detective but not the first one so don't know which one it is and then more recently in the righteous gemstones so steven dorf up to some good stuff out there so hey to circle back to the limp biscuit i i looked up who he was in the video and he's the guy with ben stiller and i forgot that was steven dorf and like now that you see it it's like oh that guy but like because he he really kind of changed his look throughout the years, um, but yeah, it's called he, aging. We all do. yeah, but like he even had like he had that weird like new metal hairstyle where like basically you put glue in your hair and just spike every piece of your hair out. Um, that is true. A lot of people had that look in that in that era, though. Yeah. <laughs> so like, and then he went to like kind of being normal for a little bit. So like, um, yeah, I think I think it's it's. I just looked up the still image of him and Ben Stiller that music video and I, I remember it now people always go on about nonsense or like the, the the mandela effect and everything like oh I, the things that i thought i remembered aren't the things that that were really happening or whatever it's like i'm less interested in the mandela effect and more interested in the fact that like the new metal era was an era we all collectively were deluded into believing was cool like what was that like what was in the water then you know so like don't tell me that you don't remember that you were a little kid and you didn't know how berenstain was spelled like, no, shut up. But you're going to tell me that everyone thought that having giant Jinko jeans. I was just going to say their... <laughs> we thought this was cool. Like, no, like that was the, that was the delusion. That was like, the... we were pretty much wearing capris, right? Let's let's be honest. Let's come on, guys. Let's let's be honest. You know, so like, we're, did, uh, did we make capris cool? I don't know. So. Uh, I was one of those kids, so I can't really say anything. I wore like the bullshit, uh, like I kind of looked like a mini version of the singer from Smash Mouth. R.I.P. Had like the stupid ass long shorts, <laughs> cargo shorts that went down like my at bottom of my calf. And then I wore like the button up short sleeves, you know, with the flames or something on them. Like, yeah, I don't know, Mom. I know you listen to this, so like, why? Why did you let that happen to me? Uh, but I was lucky. I was lucky that uh, that like the actual Jinko jeans are a little bit outside of uh, my my back to school budget. Uh, so I was only able to get like one pair like every year or something like that of those kinds of jeans. And they were only popular for X number of years. So fortunately, uh, thanks to thanks to the frugality of my upbringing, I was not cursed with too many pairs of Jinko jeans. So uh, my mom, who is also probably listening. Thank you for that. I may have complained at the time, but it was actually the correct move. <laughs> so, uh, so like when did that stop being cool because i definitely wore them past that point on, like when did on, people stop believing that it was cool yeah. or when did they stop being cool because they never actually were but there's definitely yeah there's definitely a time where like they stopped being cool and people would just linger on them just go die inside for a minute i guess hey man like i said like we all thought it we all thought that that was the case like we were wrong like no one's to blame here this is, you know, you know, the Joker says we live in a society. So, so speaking of uh, whatever I just said, next up on the cast list is uh, Al or Alexandra, uh, Glenn's older sister, as played by Krista Denton. She has a, a handful of some interesting stuff. Uh, 
the burning red, uh, the bat, the a remake of the bad seed that came out in 85, um, which I like, I always like the story of the original, uh, the bad seed because of like film codes. Uh, the fact that the little girl was like going around killing people and she was supposed to get away with it, but like, no, 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 no. The film code won't allow that. So she ends up getting struck by lightning and dying at the end. Nice. Cause like there has to be a comeuppance for a villain. So, but that doesn't happen in the bad seed remake. The, the bad seed gets away with it. Or at least if I recall, cause there's, there's been subsequent like re envisionings of it that aren't always called the bad seed. But you know, anytime that you have like basically a little kid that's killing people, you're taking a page out of the bad seeds book, the 8 million ways to die, not a million ways to die in the West. That's a different movie. Uh, three episodes of growing pains, which was popular with me when I was young. So I brought it up. Um, her last credit was in 1990. It was called something called Ellen's father. And then that's it. She just drops off the scene. So I, so I kind of looked into that and I couldn't find anything, but the list of boyfriends that she went through in the late eighties, early nineties is crazy. And I don't know if we want to get into it, but like she dated some super like famous people at the time. Um, you want me to get into it? Are you okay? Yeah. I mean that, that was, that was outside of my research. So yeah, go. Well, I just Googled it and I was like, um, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me write that down. Google. Oh, and you do that to look stuff up holy shit that was funny <laughs> Shut up. Don't give, all right go into your research that's enough all right so <laughs> uh she dated david arquette from 1989 to 1990 matthew right, Lillard. heartthrob right out the gate oh matthew lillard though actually yeah did. dude yeah. hold on it gets wilder matthew lillard 93 to 95 right getting woozy here uh and then uh patrick wilson <laughs> Um, you know, you know him as uh, Mr. Ed Ward and uh, Will Wheaton. Wait, wait, wait. What do I know him as? Ed Ward. Oh, yeah. Not Raul from the Phantom of the Opera. I mean. Not Night Owl from Watchmen. I mean. Not uh, King Orm from uh, Aquaman. Not the knockoff. I'm just what I'm getting at is he's, he's Not the knockoff as Ed as... Warren that was in Insidious. That was... <laughs> Why would they cast character. him? Why would they cast? I'm still mad about that. And he did a great job in both movies. So don't, this is not Patrick Wilson's fault. I will never fault the man for working, but um, why would you cast someone in two movies that came out within what, three years of each other that were literally almost about the same thing? Yeah. It, I mean, yeah, maybe probably cause he's a good actor though. Yeah. And then last up of like famous people uh, is Will Wheaton. So Whoa, whoa, whoa. I forgot that The Conjuring and Insidious were both directed by James Wan. Yeah, dude, it's it's literally almost the same so movie. It's like, yeah, so it's like, it's just like, <laughs> so, and so was Aquaman. So I think that, like, he's just good friends with Patrick Wilson, which just putting him in all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, so. I always love it when, like, at these connections that I never think about, I just, just come up with them. So, yeah, a good pull on Krista, then. She was dating him. You're welcome. Is that is that it? Those three? Or is um, there more? I don't know. Well, there's... she was married to this guy named John Cook, who I I don't know anything about. So, I yeah, the only one was like James Cook, who was like an explorer on like the Great Lakes in New York in like the 1700s. <laughs> wasn't that James? Wasn't that James Cook? If that isn't a true person in history, you have to edit that out. I have a reputation I need to maintain. I mean, who's gonna look it up? Well, apparently this thing you were mentioning, something called a Google. Get him Twitter. 
Uh, all right. Next up is, or yeah, you don't have anything else. I want to step on your toes. I know that right now with your raspy voice and your illness, it's going to be easy for me to step on you. Dude, I've so. been muting constantly and coughing and <laughs> I'm, I'm like getting, I'm getting really good at the mute button. <laughs> Sick. All right. Uh, next up is actually going to be my favorite character, Terry, as played by Lewis Tripp. Uh, not a lot in his credits. I'm just going to be straight up with you. He was in like an episode of Rin Tin Tin K9 Cop. He did the gate to the trespassers where he played Terry again. He was in Detroit Rock City. Uh, his final credit on his list, though, is in 2020, something called Sacrifice, where he plays Terry again, the same character. And he's like, supposedly playing an older version of his character from the gate films just now an adult i don't know anything about this movie i've never heard of it i know i want to know more like so there you go that's lewis trip that's our man terry for you uh next up uh the first of two characters that i will be honest i cannot tell them apart uh one of the lee sisters Lori lee as played by uh, kelly rowan uh, and it's funny because as annoying as I'll get into it when we're talking about the movie, the Lee sisters are so annoying to me, but they probably have like the biggest careers out of anyone in this, like at least like the longest careers uh, for Kelly Rowan, uh, my pet monster, an episode of the war or the world series. Uh, she was in hook uh, Candyman, farewell to the flesh, which I think is the third uh, Candyman film. Uh, 22 episodes of Lonesome Dove, The Outlaw, which is, I guess, a spinoff of Lonesome Dove. A couple episodes of The Outer Limits. Um, Her most recent was in 2016 with uh, Tulips in Spring. Hmm. So uh, anything about her dating history you want to drag up? No, no, no. Uh, (laughs) I don't even have a good comeback. That was good. (laughs) I'm taking advantage of your illness. I'm just going to start ripping on you. Yeah, well, um, nine nine times out of ten, the first comeback that comes to my head, I can't say out loud, so I have to like dial it back a couple layers, and then I just didn't have anything. So good for you. Yeah, save that for the Patreon. Yeah. Um, want to hear me say weird shit? <laughs> want to hear me get canceled, kids? Uh, next you up ever is dance the other with lead? the devil in the pale moonlight. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so Linda Lee. As uh, played by Jennifer Irwin. Now she has a huge career. Uh, the first one I wrote down was an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? So you can tell that a lot of the things I write down are just things that are interesting to me. Uh, uh, Elvis meets Nixon, Blues Brothers 2000, uh, Superstar, which I think is an underrated movie. Uh, a couple episodes of The Red Green Show, uh, Exit Wounds. Uh, <laughs> she was she was actually uh, one of the main characters in that. Uh, still standing the the sitcom she played like the sister-in-law of the main character which still standing the premise is basically what if robert baratheon from game of thrones was an american sitcom dad instead that was a weird show it was a weird show but uh she was in that um she had like supporting roles and stuff like no strings attached bad teacher uh she was in 16 episodes of eastbound and down uh, supporting roles in stuff like Superstore, iZombie. Uh, she was in the Mortuary Collection, which is a pretty solid um, uh, anthology horror film that you can see on Shudder, I believe. Uh, really solid stuff. Uh, and uh, really interesting is that show, The Goldbergs, that is, I don't know if it's still on, but it was recently on. Uh, she starred and was a staff writer in that. So she was in 57 episodes of that and also a writer for it. 
And most recently she was in uh, American born Chinese, like three episodes of American born Chinese, which is based off of a very interesting graphic novel that I actually read in grad school. Um, I think it's a Disney plus series that came out earlier this year. Hmm. I'm actually looking at this right now. This is pretty, this is pretty cool looking. Which, which thing? American born Chinese. Oh yeah. It's a super, it's a really good book too. I'll let you borrow it. I have it in my room. So. Man, can we all just like for a minute, just appreciate Michelle Yeoh. Uh, yeah. She's in that too, right? Yeah. But like, man, like I know she, she did a lot of stuff. Like she's been doing stuff for a long time, but, um, I, I loved her character in Crazy Rich Asians, which I know has nothing to do with anything that we're dealing with. But <laughs> Well, I think it's an interesting to bring up because she's definitely had a, a well-deserved career renaissance as oh, uh, for sure. of late. And yeah, it's good to see. Like, especially, you know, obviously everything everywhere all at once is yeah, a big, like a, the big, yeah, a big one in that. But like, even like stuff that wasn't particularly good that she was in, like that uh, Witcher prequel series if you saw that like um the one of the one about like the old days like the time of the elves and all that like i haven't during, seen it yet it? uh she, okay well she's in it um and even though the show itself is kind of stupid and kind of doesn't do much to justify its existence her character is so interesting like, every time she's on screen like she just like rules that thing all right sold i'll watch it <laughs> yeah it takes a, it takes a couple episodes to get to her but once you do You'll be glad. But all right, next up is going to be uh, the mom. Uh, that being that <laughs> she doesn't have another credit. So it's just the mom of uh, Glenn and Al, uh, Deborah Grover. Uh, she has a huge career, uh, but it's a lot of them are just like one offs of episodes of basically any show that you know about <laughs> like throughout the years. So I'm just going to bring up a few things that looked interesting to me. Uh, Mania, the uh, intruder. Who done it? Welcome to Mooseport. <laughs> Pause for emphasis. <laughs> so, Welcome to Mooseport is such an interesting one because isn't that the movie that like it had Ray Romano and Gene Hackman in it? Yeah. And it was so bad that like Gene Hackman quit acting. <laughs> like I, I don't know if that's a like if that's just like I made up, but I feel like he hasn't acted since Welcome to Mooseport. It's I like mean, it broke his spirit. <laughs> I, I keep going. I need to look this up now. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, the Stephen King miniseries, Bag of Bones, uh, Fat Man, which is the one where I think it's like, dude, you're not the, wrong. I'm not wrong. He did like after Welcome to Mooseport, he just like called it. Uh, he hasn't it's been like in such anything a, since. Such a storied career brought low by this Ray Romano comedy. <laughs> like running for mayor of some fictional town. So there you go. Uh, yeah, Fat Man, which I think is a movie where Mel Gibson plays Santa Claus, but don't quote me on that. Uh, and then she was in like uh, most recently ten episodes of From, which I bring up because you've mentioned From before and how good of a show that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go, bringing it together. Next up is the dad, uh, Scott with one T, Denton. Uh, Murder in Space and the Virgin Suicides. That's it. He's got no credits. Next up, uh, I just bring up Eric because I'm going to talk about Eric uh, very derisively, and I feel like uh, I want to bring up the actors so that. It doesn't seem personal, although it doesn't matter because he's actually deceased. Unfortunately, uh, he died at age 40, uh, which is sad to see. Um, he was in uh, Friday. The oh, did I say his name, Sean Fagan, um, uh, who plays Eric. Uh, so he was in Friday the 13th, the series. That's about it. He didn't have a very big uh, career in acting, 
but he would later go on to be a very successful web designer. And he apparently in his local area for like uh, uh, one of their like station affiliates, uh, he produced like a, uh, a critical thinking and debate website that was very popular. And he was well known as like an opinion leader hmm. um, during like the early era of like, uh, you know, kind of like the late 90s, early 2000s era, like that kind of era, like very critical like the, like the war in Iraq. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was probably wearing Jinko jeans. That's not nice to say he's deceased. Like, I don't want to like say that he was wearing Jinko jeans and you, like then I'll you get, said like, the Jinko. I said the new new metal era, and you went straight to Jinko. So like I that that is not on me. Well, now Sean Fagan's uh, estate is going to shut down our podcast. So it was a good while it lasted. Uh, <laughs> next up is probably the funniest credit. Uh, Terry's mom. Oh, this is weird. <laughs> Linda Gorenson. Uh, she was in an American Christmas Carol. Uh, Harrison Bergeron, which I only bring up because of that one bit in uh, Frisky Dingo, where they talk about uh, <laughs> uh, what it, it's like, like brother of Menelaus. Like, no, that's Agamemnon. Hollywood yeah. Squares. That's Tom Bergeron. <laughs> yeah, so that's the only reason I bring that up. Uh, and then uh, he, uh, she was in an episode of uh, Hemlock Grove, which was that Netflix series that was supposed to take place in small town Pennsylvania, as though anyone's ever been to like an old steel town in somewhere in Pennsylvania that has a giant skyscraper in the middle of it. Do your research guys. That's all I'm saying. If you're going to make a show, do some research. Uh, next up is the workman as played by Carl cranes. Uh, he was in the slayer and he was in gate two as Terry transformed. So apparently in the gate two, Terry is demonized and played by the guy who plays the workman in this. Uh, and last is just going to be the minions and dark master. Uh, all the voice work of those, if you can call it that, is John Paul Young. A uh, handful of things, Killer Rats, Metal Messiah, uh, uh It seems like a lot of those, and a couple of those he plays like the same character too. So it's kind of interesting. Um, so I want to give a shout out to that because it can't be easy to make all the weird noises that those homunculi make. That's the truth. Yeah. So there you go. Is there anything about the cast and crew that you think I missed that you want to bring up? No, I think you, I think you nailed it. Yeah. We're pretty professional these days. We really know what we're doing. Other than insulting uh, a deceased person by pretending he might have worn Jinko jeans. But um, what? hold on. Why do you keep looping me into this on that? Uh, You're in charge here, man. I'm just along for the ride. Oh, okay. I see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what's next? Should we do the what description killer clowns guy that's how you know it's good all right give me a second to get my bearings get my notes up um talk about a movie that starts out really slow but um i really liked the opening credit sequence for this though because it is just basically a black screen with red you know red text mm -hmm. um with some like you know you know you got your 80s like obviously synth music is artificial 
but it has a very uh kind of dreamlike quality to it that I really in- thought was interesting. I think really fits with the uh the rest of the movie. Like there's an undertone of like ominousness, but like the way the movie starts out, especially, it just feels kind of uh dreamy, which I really enjoy. Anyways, open on Canada. Glenn riding his bike. Also, it's never clear that it's Canada. I just know from knowing the production of this that it takes place in Canada and it was filmed in Canada. So I'm just going to frequently reference the fact that it's in Canada. Nothing in the film tells us that. I just know it is. So Glenn's riding his bike to his house. Um, He goes in there and it's kind of sus because there's no one around. He's yelling for his mom and his dad and Al, who uh, at the time, we don't know who Al is, but we'll later learn it is his sister. Um, it was kind of funny though, cause he approached the house. Like he didn't live there because it was like dream logic basically. Right. Um, here's some giggling upstairs and goes to investigate. He goes to a room that's clearly a girl's room. Um, the room is empty. Here's something downstairs. goes to investigate that, uh, it's like a music video playing on the TV, uh, very eighties vibes. Um, you know, then he proceeds to go outside the kitchen door opens, uh, which startles him, but he like goes out there anyway. And by this point, you know, when he walked in the house, it was daytime. He goes out the back. It's now night. Uh, He goes to his uh, tree house in the backyard. There's a voice saying like, you know, mama or whatever. Or is it Papa? It's definitely a voice saying that like a doll voice. Right. Because he goes up to the tree house. Fine. Is it mama? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Goes up to the tree house, finds the doll. Uh, Doesn't have a lot of time to be too creeped out by the incredibly creepy doll because the tree is struck by lightning and it falls and he also falls. Smash cut morning. He's awakened to the sound of chainsaws. What does this mean? It means that the tree actually did fall, which is interesting because it seemed like it was a dream, but the tree did actually fall. So I think this is the first time that they, uh, they had to get some sort of like scene in that makes him an unreliable narrator. Right. Where like, they're kind of setting the stage that he has like a crazy imagination or something like that. I thought that was pretty cool because there's a couple of times where this kind of happens, but and then later something happens where it you like, okay, is this kid dreaming or like, I don't know. I thought it was cool that they did this right away. It is. Yes. And it's probably something we could bring up early on is this movie compared to a lot of our things is very much couched in, in like an adolescent experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much the movie about, you know, you know, Glenn, his sister, his friend, her friends to a less greater or lesser extent. So a lot of it is through the eyes of, uh, you know, teenage or maybe slightly preteen. I can't, it's kind of hard to get a vibe for how old Glenn is, maybe like early teen existence. I think he's on the verge of going to high school or something like that. Um, so a lot of this movie has kind of that quality to it, uh, which makes it interesting and also makes it kind of frustrating. <laughs> Sometimes well, as well. We we know how old Al is because she says it. Oh, so, does she? Yeah. So when she's arguing with her um parents about the babysitter stuff, I think she says I'm 15. Oh, that's that's true. So that's true. You know, so if you're if you're doing math, so she's in ninth grade or or possibly tenth grade, and judging by her, you know, Glenn's like size and or uh maturity level, I'd say you're probably right, like sixth or seventh grade. So yeah, so he's probably like twelve or thirteen, maybe. Yeah, like he's yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's very interesting uh, in that way because of all of these moments that feel like is like is this really happening? Is it his imagination? Is it because a lot of them are also like 
sensory experiences of things that you would just encounter around your house and maybe your imagination would run wild on what that is like that damn bug zapper We're, we'll get into it when it encountered it right that bug zapper is going off all the time it's like do they or, even have bugs it? in canada yeah or is it yeah. uh so anyways oh i forgot to mention when he gets when he wakes up his his dog is there and he gives him some pats important to remember dog um because his dog will be involved in the plot um <laughs> So, yeah, the tree's being cut uh, to pieces now. It did fall overnight. Uh, there's some heavy machinery that's uh, pulling the stump and the roots out. Um, as it's rolling away, like a big old geo drops out of the bottom of the roots. Uh, Glenn is out there now, so he goes and investigates this. Um, his, his friend is kind of like, I guess you could say like angsty, but he's also kind of a nerd. He's like an angsty nerd. His angsty nerd friend Terry arrives uh, and identifies that the geode is a geode and that they need to dig for more because they can get like $100 if they find a big geode. Uh, Not sure what the exchange rate is on geodes, but we'll take his word for it because in 1987, $100 is probably a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Uh, They dig uh, into what turns out to actually be a giant hole unrelated to their digging. Uh, Terry almost falls into it, foreshadowing that maybe later he might fall into it. Uh, and apparently it smells bad, which I think is probably a reference to the fact that it's sulfur, you know, considering right. that it is a gate to hell. Um, there's some cool, like, smoky effects that happen pretty much every time that they they do that. Um, there's some noises coming from the pit. Uh, they seem to be uh, awakened by uh, what happens to Glenn, which is that he, what, cuts his hand? And bleeds into it, right? Into the pit. Yes. That was like the first thing that triggers the uh, inciting event. And I guess kind of explains why some things later happen. Because this is actually a question I had about uh, Glenn's relationship with the phenomena that are occurring. <laughs> Trying to be as vague as possible. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so this is probably why he has that relationship. Because what does he do? Is he cut his hand on something? Or is it he stabs his hand? Mm. I think he was, weren't they, he did it while he was digging, wasn't he? Like, yeah, he just, while he was digging. I think he cut it on like a root or yeah, rock or something. something. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, Terry doesn't care about his injury because they did find that larger geode and he says they will be rich. Again, uh, this is uh, youthful exuberance, $100 will not last you long. Um, then at this point, we have uh, Al who comes out uh, to throw away a bunch of items. Uh, Al, of course, is short for Alexandra, and she kind of makes at first some issue with the fact that Glenn continues to call her Al, which sort of hints at the fact that they might be may have been close and maybe getting more distant as uh, she's getting older and changing interests and stuff like that. But yeah, so uh, the box of stuff she's throwing away, which includes the old doll from the tree from earlier, Glenn's upset because there's a rocket in there uh, that he wanted to launch with Al. Uh, but she is not going to do a, a rocket because she's going to go shopping with her friends, Lori and Linda, the Lee sisters that I mentioned during the opening credits that I will never be able to tell apart. So don't ask me to do it. <laughs> so, uh, oh, and uh, apparently, uh, what is it? Terry suggests that they can do it themselves. But then Glenn's like, can't do it. I singed the roof of the house from an earlier launch. And they turn around and just see this like scorched part of the, the roof. where like. This rocket must have hit it. It's like, I don't think those rockets generate that much firepower, but all right. 
And then Terry's like, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> well, and well, yeah, Terry does. Terry doesn't really seem to care about a lot because he had uh, captured a bunch of moths to be used as li- what he calls live cargo for the rocket. So he's going to throw some moths onto the rocket. Um, we caught him from the demon pit, the gate. That is correct. Yeah, he was getting them from the ground. Um, and this is where you get one of the ideas that like this Terry kid might have some stuff going on because he says something about like, how long do you think they'll live without air? And Glenn's like, don't do it. <laughs> he's like, please, Terry, stop. Yeah, please, Terry, stop torturing animals. Um, yeah, so the... Uh, Oh, they say that the 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 rocket is quote unquote totaled. Glenn says because it got wet from the trash or something like that. Uh, in any case, uh, then we have Glenn's dad, Glenn and Al's dad, who comes outside and surveys the huge hole in the yard, and I guess f- finds like Glenn responsible for it. I was like, yo, yo, yo! Like this hole started with like an entire root and stump being pulled up. Like there's already going to be. A large divot, but he seems to want to uh, want to have Glenn fill in the hole in the yard. Then later on at the dinner table, uh, the dad is worried about being unable to find a babysitter. They keep mentioning an old woman whose name escapes me. Do you remember her name? I do not. The only reason I, I brought it up is because the, uh, later on when it seems like... Oh, uh, it's Mrs. Vandergrift, I think. Sure. Is... is a, <laughs> Well, we'll we'll find out if it's true or not. Uh, but yeah, so Mrs. Vandergrift is apparently unable to babysit them. And that's when what you said happens. Like uh, Al talks about how getting, oh, she's almost sixteen. You know, I can be the one to you know watch the house and and watch my brother. <laughs> and the mother and father agree to this. Although then we find out they're going to be gone for three weeks. Like, what kind of parents are just going to leave their kids for three weeks? It's like, man. Vacation time in Canada must be nuts. You just take time off work for three weeks. Um, oh, and this is when it's revealed that Glenn is grounded because of uh, digging in the, the giant hole. Yeah, digging the giant hole. Even though, again, like that part of that was done by heavy machinery. This kid is not like a you know kaiju. Anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Glenn's being uh, tucked in. He asks his dad to leave the light on, uh, prompting a father-son conversation about why Glenn is so nervous. Part of it, probably the uh, nightmare that we'd seen earlier. And then part of it, probably the giant hole with uh, creatures in it. Um, and then it also turns out that Terry had told Glenn the story of a workman that had been walled up in their house when it was being like constructed. And rather than call the police, the other construction workers had decided to wall the guy's corpse up, uh, <laughs> which is kind of like then prompts like uh, Glenn's dad to try to explain to Terry, like explain that Terry is actually kind of messed up because his mom died. Like, um, so it's kind of why we get like so much morbidity out of our man, Terry and why he's so into like metal music. Cause nothing says, uh, troubled from losing a parent, like, uh, just making moths suffer. And then also listening to obscure music. So after the talk about how Terry is basically just a troubled little liar, uh, Glenn seems relaxed enough that he doesn't need the light. So his dad is able to turn off the light, uh, which is kind of necessary because this is the first instance where you think something's going on with that moth jar. Cause Glenn's like staring at it and the music is swelling and it's like moving in on that moth jar, but he just rolls over and goes to sleep. Fake out. Don't worry. The moths will be involved later. You'll see next morning. 
uh, le- the parents are leaving, giving the instructions and all that, including the rules for uh, the dog, Angus. I don't know if I ever mentioned the dog is named Angus. Yeah, um, I was going to say something, but I figured you'd get into it. Yeah, I think this is the first time they actually mention his name, which is probably why it's the first time that it appears in my notes that way. But yeah, but of course, the last instruction is no parties. And then, of course, as soon as parents say no parties, we have to have an instant jump cut to a very 80s party happening at the house, uh, including uh, Angus participating in the party by wandering around and someone yells, hey, somebody get this dog a beer. Classic. But poor Angus, he's just trying to enjoy some snacks. But Al pulls him away and leads him away from the snack bowl and leads him upstairs. And this is when I think it's revealed between Al having conversations with the Lee sisters that Al's interested in one of the boys. I think Eric is the one that she's interested in. Yes. Cool. Um, write that down. It's definitely going to matter in the plot later. Just kidding. Almost, almost doesn't matter at all. Well, Except that he, well, he becomes important in the plot later yeah, for a uh, weekend at Bernie'sing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyways, uh, Angus is uh, whimpering. While uh, Terry is using a pick and a hammer to try to open up that geode. Um, and he's mean to Angus for no reason. But luckily, Glenn stands up for Angus like, yo, don't be mean to my dog. What's up? And he's like, well, this is Terry just being troubled. So he's got to demonstrate it by being mean to animals. Uh, after a few swings, uh, Glenn is actually able to open up the geode because like uh, Terry kind of gives up. So Glenn smashes it open. It leaks out a bunch of smoke and glows some kind of like pinkish purplish hue suggesting perhaps uh something i don't know we don't really know what the geodes even are um i thought they're gonna be like demon eggs or something when i first watched this movie Nah, they're just rocks hey, don't worry it's they're really... not gonna tell you so <laughs> believe me typical canadians damn you canadians i think we have Keeping four your... i think we have four people in canada that listen to this show so well what's, they can what's keep up? their geology secrets well, the, we're allowed to, I think the, there's like a trade-off here. Like we're allowed to make fun of Canadians and they're allowed to have uh, a functional healthcare system. <laughs> so that's the trade-off is that they get that. So um, they can laugh all the way to the bank. Uh, so, but when the geoda opened, it produced uh, some words on a piece of paper, which of course, Glenn and Terry have to read those out loud, uh, much to the ch- ch- chagrin of Angus. Angus is like, oh, this isn't going to end well for me, dog. Uh, okay, smash cut to the hole in the backyard. Uh, we'll pan around as we hear noises coming from the hole, but not a lot of crazy stuff yet, just some shenanigans. Uh, Glenn and Terry, uh, probably sick of being uh, stuck in their room, uh, playing with uh, rocks, uh, decide to sneak downstairs for some snacks while the teenagers are doing ghost stories with like an a ludicrous number of candles. Yeah. Like where even do you get that many candles? It's in Canada. I mean, I guess so. Yeah. But I just, every time that like I can, you know, I'll take it in like a Gothic horror movie, like something like that, where there's just like tons of like candelabras just filled with candles. I'm like, I was probably some kind of like servant that had to light all those. Be expecting to believe a bunch of like eighties teenagers are going to light that many candles. Or that even somebody in the age of electricity has that many candles. I don't know. I'm probably going to write like some kind of a uh, some kind of a <laughs> op-ed about the overuse of candles in film. Yeah, it's a miracle this house didn't burn down. <laughs> I mean, for many reasons, as we'll get into. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but one of the guests wants to do uh, the 
what is it? That light is a feather th- uh, stiff as a board, board thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to do that game, which uh, prompts Glenn to ask Terry if he believes in that stuff, uh, which Terry doesn't really say anything. And Glenn's like, yeah, me too. Uh, so anyways, the light is a feather stiff as a board uh, fails for the teenager that they're trying to do it with. But then one of the guys spots Glenn. He's like, yo, Glenn, get over here. Or I guess he doesn't know who he's, his name's Glenn. He says, get over here, little man. We're going to lift you. Uh, and then they actually do it. Glenn is literally levitating off the ground, uh, breaks like the lamp, like the, the, the globe lamp at like on the ceiling. He tries to like grab a light fixture <laughs> because right. he's floating, which he then yanks off the wall and falls down and pulls it with him. Um, uh, and this is like one of the first of many times that these teenagers are not nearly freaked out, freaked out enough about supernatural activity. They literally just witnessed. Cause they just kind of like laugh about it. And Glenn like cries and runs away. Uh, which again, he shouldn't be embarrassed. He was just lifted by supernatural powers. These teenagers should be ashamed of themselves. Right. And then the, the girl that did it, it's like, Oh, we're not going to do that one again. Yeah. I guess we better not do that again. It's like, yeah, you sorceress. What are you doing? <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah. So Glenn, uh, is followed shortly thereafter by Terry and Al, uh, they cheer him up by sharing their own embarrassing stories uh, Terry barfed on Steve Slavitt, which I, I don't know why I wrote down that name, but I thought it was funny because like later on, like, uh, later on after Al leaves, like to like end the party or whatever, Glenn's like, did you really, did you really barf on Steve Slavitt? It's like, who is, I wonder if Steve Slavitt is like the writers know a guy named that. It's like, I'm going to bring that up. Um, so there you go. Uh, at this point, uh, is the first of many times that uh, Glenn is going to want to call their parents. Uh, Al pushes back on the idea, even though she is fully aware of the supernatural levitation he just experienced, uh, probably more so at this point because of the broken light fixtures. Like, I don't know if she thinks she can handyman that shit. In the meantime, don't know. This is probably the only time I'll agree with her that we don't really need to worry about calling the parents. Later on, when she insists they don't, I'm like, ugh, come on, lady. But, um, but like as a compromise... Uh, Al allows Terry to stay over instead, which, you know, Glenn's amenable to this. It's his best bud. This is like an interesting scene uh, where Al is like looking at herself in the mirror, which I only thought was interesting to mention because this kind of felt like one of those like, like verisimilitude moments where like clearly she's getting older and she's like thinking about herself in different ways and stuff like that. So like she's like looking in the mirror. Um, so that was an interesting scene that adds a lot of like growth to her as a character because she's clearly somebody who's struggling with like wanting to spend time with her friends, wanting to spend time with boys, but wanting to keep the relationship that she's had with her brother. Um, so I thought it was a pretty cool scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. Terry gets up to use the restroom, leaving Glenn alone with shadows of what seem like giant moths, which are flapping and keeping him awake. Uh, meanwhile, a bunch of them are being zapped by the bug zapper down below as loudly as they can be. Yeah, super loud. Uh, yeah, on the way back, uh, Terry's hearing some ghostly wind. Uh, which, by the way, we should probably explain something real quick about like the way this house is is designed because it's going to be important to many aspects of the plot. So the main, like, I'd say it's probably a great room. It's not really a living room. It's like a great room in the front, which has a stairway that goes up the side and then comes to like a sort of upper level that is also open to the great room. So like there's like a railing and like the line of rooms, like, you know, bedroom, bedroom, you know, restroom, all that, that kind of go around this great room up above. 
So there's a lot of instances where something will be on the upper floor looking down or something on the lower floor looking up. And it's important to kind of know the design of the house to kind of make sense of some of these. Because uh, Terry, while he's while he hears the ghostly wind, the door to the outside in the front of the great room opens up. That's the front room of the house. And he sees the ghost of his mom. Nothing to worry about here. Probably should go and talk to her. Uh, meanwhile, in Glenn's room, uh, there's uh, some stretching going on in the walls. Uh, Glenn, you know, remarks that that's oh, the dead workman trying to get out of the wall. It's an okay effect. It's basically like you've seen it done better in like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, stuff like that. But there it is. Uh, but then downstairs, uh, Terry is like twirling around and around, like in his mom's ghost mom's arms. When. <laughs> <laughs> when suddenly uh, he realizes that what he's hugging is not his dead mother, but is Angus, the dog who is now dead. And Terry screams and I'm laughing, not because I'm a psycho. So just get that out of the way first. Why are you laughing? Because I, so the, okay, this is kind of one thing I wanted to just like bring this up early on. Spoiler alert. If you don't want to have something for later in the movie spoiled, like, you know, stop this, go watch the movie, see what happens later in the movie. Angus is going to come back. He's not dead forever, but he is definitely dead. And they do so much throughout the movie to hammer in the point that this dog is dead, that it's like gratuitous. It's like almost <laughs> like, cause like uh, whenever I think about like whenever, cause I have a lot of friends with like, with uh, kids that are like, Oh, it's a good horror movie to introduce. I, to my I have kids. a lot of friends with dead dogs. <laughs> well, I mean, I do. I mean, pretty much most people who've had a dog at some point. But um, so I have a lot of a lot of uh, friends that have kids and they're like, what's a good movie? And like this one would be a great one because so much about it is couched in like an adolescent experience. So much of it is would be like kind of scary and kind of fun, scary that I think it would be a great movie if it weren't for the gratuitous dead dog action. That does resolve at the end with the dog being alive, but throughout it's like, that would be too much for a kid. I feel like so one of my favorite effects is either a, a stuffed dog that is blatantly not an actual dog or someone in a dog costume that like they do, like they dress up to be the dog for a moment or to do something. So I love that when it like moves a little bit. Yeah. Or like it's like well, hugging, so it's like I'm pretty sure it's just yeah, because right there question. it's just a guy probably in an outfit hugging yeah, him because the so angle funny, is kind of weird. But then he like, and then you know, whenever he notices it's the dead dog, Terry, he yeah, it's clearly fake because he throws it, yeah, and it just like falls like a stuffed dog. Uh, yeah, so that's why I laughed too. It was like I'm not a I'm not a maniac, but it's just so funny like how much this movie just beats you over the head with the dead dog, and it's like not even gonna stay that way. Um, but yeah, so Glenn and Al come running out of their rooms onto the balcony area above uh, to see that Angus is dead. And Terry is like standing over the corpse, looking all guilty, uh, as he should. He killed this dog by believing he was hugging his dead mom. Um, the next morning, uh, Terry is very apologetic, uh, but Glenn is unexpectedly reasonable about it. He chalks up to the fact that uh, Angus is uh, really old. He's 97 years old. Uh, which is the second time he's brought up that he's 97 years old because I guess dog years. Uh, and he tells uh, Terry, you know, yeah, you can still come hang out later or whatever. So it's like, all right, I guess their friendship isn't damaged. 
But the fun, the fact is that Glenn is actually more troubled by Angus being dead than he's letting on. He just doesn't want to hurt his friend's feelings. Um, yeah. So uh, then we get a glimpse of the killer dwarfs patch on Terry's back, which mm-hmm. is a Canadian like uh, metal band. So I looked that up afterwards. Is like, is that a real band? Is like, yes, it is. So, anyways, uh, Terry is on his way to his house, or he gets to his house. Uh, he's yelling for his dad. Um, he finds a note on the fridge uh, that his father is away on business. Uh, very much like, t- for as young as he is, Terry is very much like a latchkey kid, which it's interesting, kind of the con- like the uh, uh, contrast between Terry's house and Glenn's house. Because it's like, at Terry's house, there's like, empty food containers like pizza boxes like plates and stuff everywhere you know you get the real feeling that like terry's home life not as good which probably is part of why he is the way he is um very interesting because he just like grabs like a pizza out of one of the pizza boxes just eats it like eats a pizza like no don't terry you're gonna become ill well luckily he's gonna be in conflict with demons soon anyway so it doesn't matter um back at the at Glenn and Al's house, you know, Glenn is harping on again about uh Al calling their parents. In particular now because Angus is dead. Right. Uh for whatever reason Al is against it, which I feel like that's a little crazy. Because number one, she be she should be calling her parents to check in regularly anyway. And number two, like they're gonna get home and be like, Oh, our dog's dead and you didn't even tell us. <laughs> Look. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess in the end it makes it's fine because Angus will resurrect at the end of this. Um, but uh, it, it, Al uh, goes to answer the door and Glenn tries to be sneaky, but he not once his stealth check. Uh, Al comes in and hangs up the phone while he's dialing it, you know, saying that their parents will be home tomorrow anyway. So I guess uh, three weeks passed ra- relatively uneventfully as far as his gate is concerned, <laughs> since it's like literally the day before the parents are coming home. So um, something I wanted to ask you about, like that, like that didn't make any sense to me. And I just wondered if maybe there were some continuity issues. They just screwed up. It it could be continuity issues, you know, um, uh, I don't know if maybe the, because the ritual wasn't complete, the gate needed more, the gate demons needed more time to like amp up their skills. I don't know the rule, the, the, they do make an attempt at giving us a certain amount of like lore and world building in this, but not nearly enough of it is enough to explain that. Like, I don't see why this couldn't have still been like one weekend or something. Why does it have to be we're three weeks in? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. This is, I don't make, I don't write the movies. I just talk about them on a podcast with you. (laughs) Um, so, and, but, uh, then that leads to a heated exchange between, uh, Glenn and one of the two Lee sisters. Again, I can't tell which one they are, but there's one whose hair is always like hairsprayed, like straight up in the front. That seems like really mean to him. Um, it's like, like something about she, Mary. <laughs> she, yeah, it's very much like that something about Mary thing going on. Yeah. So, and she like hates uh, Glenn. She's like always really mean to him. Granted, later he returns the favor in some uncool ways. So. He gets his jabs in uh, back at Terry's house. He's rocking out to some metal in his room. Uh, he starts limp syncing, uh, lip syncing to a voiceover in whatever the album he's listening to uh, while he's wearing a rainbow sheet as a cloak, which is pretty funny. Um, but the voiceover is talking about old ancient gods that hate humanity. 
And then as he's lip syncing to it, uh, Terry gets the idea. Oh, like he has like a spark of inspiration. Something might be going on here. And he notices on one of his albums that the uh, art on it uh, looks like the same as the writing that showed up after they opened that geode uh, back at Glenn's house. Right. Um, And that's also another thing is we don't know when they opened up that geode. Like the we learn later that it was like Glenn bleeding that like helped incite the demonic ritual that is going on. But they didn't open the geode and say the words until the night the night before this. So I'm feeling like that might be the inciting incident. Why it had to be three weeks? Why it couldn't just have been one? I don't know. But that's kind of the incident True. that like that really got things moving. Um, but anyways, back at Glenn's house, uh, Al's friends have arrived uh, and are trying to get her to go to the beach with them. Um, there's some side discussion about uh, how dreamy Eric will be there, you know. Um, and then Glenn kind of almost being a voice of reason is like, yo, you can't do that after everything that's happened. You can't just go to the beach and her friends are like, what happened? And she says, oh yeah, our, uh, dog Angus died. And that one with like the, something about Mary hair, like rolls her eyes, like lady, like it's a dead dog. You don't have to be like such a jerk about it. Um, but that's kind of like the Lee sisters things. They're pretty terrible. Uh, and then, you know, Glenn appropriately calls them out, uh, for seeing his levitation, uh, and refusing to acknowledge it. Uh, but while he's like yelling at them, the, whatever the boy, the group that's with them at that time just takes Glenn's cereal and starts eating it. It's like, you know, not cool, man. Like number one, like, I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't want to eat someone else's cereal. I don't know. It's just something about like the, yeah, it was a weird scene. It's like, yeah. well, but you know, he's like hungry. I guess so. Yeah, he's got to eat. It's got to eat Glenn cereal. Um, then uh, you know, uh, Glenn yells at that dude about just something because that dude's like chiming in with his own little, little here and there's. Uh, and then uh, finally, Glenn comes to the realization: Alice not going to call their parents. That's just simply not going to happen. So he storms off. But as he's storming off, he calls the guy a slur beginning with an F. I'm like, yeah. whoa, Glenn, like I was on your side and then you did, you did that, uh, to which one of the Lee sisters says, uh, Trey's uncool or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I think it's the first time I've agreed with you. Something about Mary. Um, so, uh, yeah. So yeah, don't be dropping slurs like that. Glenn, that's not, that's not the guy you are. That's not the young Canadian we know you'll become. Um, so, uh, so was that guy that was that guy, Eric, then? Was that the Eric that was? Yes, I think that was him. For some reason, I didn't think that was Eric. I thought it was a different dude, but, but it must be because then the next of my notes is, um, the, the girls do convince, uh, Al to go to the beach because Eric has volunteered to take Angus's, uh, corpse to the animal shelter while the girls go out to get snacks and uh, gear for the beach. So apparently it's worked. Uh, Seems Al leaves. Yeah, seems totally normal. Al leaves, leaving Glenn alone in the home where his dog just died. You know, great work babysitting, really proving to your parents that you have what it takes to be responsible. Um, Glenn uh, is going through some uh, photo albums that include pictures of Angus. This is actually kind of an affecting scene because he's like sad. Yeah. Like looking at pictures of his dog. I'm like, so you'd have to give us this. You didn't have to give us this knowing you're going to resurrect the dog at the end. You didn't have to give us this. 
It's like, I don't need emotions right now. I need some crazy demon action. Someone had to care. <laughs> so, someone had to care. Yeah. I mean, it seems like that was part of like the issue behind that fight that he just had, because he's clearly seems to be the only person who cares about this dead dog. Uh, under his bed, he pulls out. I thought he pulled out a rocket that he had bought for Al based on the note, but I don't think it's the rocket. I think it's like the launch. Yeah, it's kit. the launcher. Yep. It's the launcher for the Thunderbolt that he had been talking about earlier. Uh, and it's the note he had written to Al. It's like a, her birthday gift or whatever. And, you know, kind of demonstrating the distance between them. He like throws it dismissively behind his bed. Don't worry. Chekhov's launcher kit. It will come in handy later. Jot that down. Uh, Glenn is then drawn outside by the crackling of the bug zapper outside again, which troubles him so much that he decides to unplug it. Which, man, that's how you get malaria outbreaks, but here we go. Um, yeah, but then once he's outside, he sees that the pit seems to be opening up again. You get some smoke coming out of it, looking real spookery. Um, but then Glenn goes inside, uh, and then he goes to leave, but we get a jump scare as he opens the door as Terry is about to open the door. So, haha. <laughs> then they go back out to the hole, and Terry comes to the conclusion that Glenn's got a demon infestation. Uh, so they take some, uh, like a wall. It looks like it's a wall, like one of the walls with the door on it from the fallen tree house and just toss that on top of the, the gate hole. Like, there you go. Problem solved. Uh, that'll teach him. That'll show him. Cut to Eric, uh, who arrives at the animal shelter to find it closed. And that's the first time we see that he's driving around with this dead dog in his passenger seat next to him. Like it has a blanket on it, but it's like, and he says something to him, right? He says something like, you know, oh, tough luck, buddy. Like, you're like, looks like you're out of luck, bud. Like talking to this dead dog in his passenger seat. I don't know. I was, it was I, jarring. Cause it like, he could have put him in the back. I, I don't know. There were so many options. He has got he a had. trunk. He's he got a trunk. So many options, dude. That's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. This is one of, this isn't the last time we're going to have a dead dog thing smashing our face. But like the idea that like, and this is the dude that she likes Eric driving right. around with this dog wrapped in a blanket and buckled in the seat next to him. Like weekend at Bernie's. All right, great. Anyways, uh, back at actually my notes, I say it's back at the house, but it's actually back at Terry's house and which will come clear later. Uh, Terry's explained to Glenn about this, uh, European metal band. I think it's Sacrifex or something like that. It's like, oh, they're really into uh, demonology and they released this album. It's all about demon stuff until they all died mysteriously after uh, afterward in a plane crash. Right. So suggesting demonic influence. Um, Terry explains that the this is actually kind of a funny thing because he says that when the constellations are aligned, it's perfect for the uh, opening of a gate uh, to hell, um, which will allow hell on earth uh which is kind of funny that he says that because he's like, I checked and that's now it's like, how did you check? Like, how did you check that the constellations were aligned just for this opening of a gate? Like, I'm sure I could Google it now. Cause you, you told me earlier about Google, like, I'm sure that now you could Google it, but like back then, um, and then he explains that they'd accidentally done the ritual. Like what we said, uh, when Glenn cut his hand and bled it into the hole. And then when they read the words, they started the, um, they started the ritual and then they determined that Angus must be the sacrifice, which is why the demons, you know, tricked kind of tricked Terry into killing him. 
but the sacrifice wasn't complete because his body wasn't thrown into the gate, the gate hole. Um, so, so right are we now, sure Terry killed Angus. What do you mean? Like, are, are you joking or did Terry actually kill Angus? Cause I don't remember that part. He did accidentally. Yes. By squishing him. That's yeah. Yeah. That's what the, the implication. Yeah. Okay. Cause remember like, like Angus is pretty old and he was like twirling around with them and squeezing him. Like he was, he thought it was his mom. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. That was what, that was what happened. Like he didn't like, he like, I hate this dog. I'm going to crush it with my arms of steel. Well, but he like thought he was, Terry. he thought he was, well, no, but like it also would track that he would like hug his dead mom <laughs> who he misses dearly. And it clearly has had an impact on his life. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, but that's when the, yeah, Terry Britt mentions like, oh, so right now it's just a crack. The demons can influence the world, but they can't like get out and like participate without that sacrifice uh, to really kickstart the stuff. Uh, but then, of course, Eric is back carrying around a dead dog still by hand this time. Uh, he's knocking on the door. And but of course, Glenn and Terry at Terry's house, so they're not going to open the door. Uh, Glenn uh, back at Terry's house. He's skeptical. Terry says, you haven't seen nothing yet. And then starts to play the album backwards, uh, which he says gives them instructions on how to close the gate. We don't really get to hear those instructions, but apparently that's how it works. This band is very irresponsible. They give the instructions forwards on how to open the gate and give them backwards on how to shut the gate. But uh, Eric, unable to find anyone, peeks over the fence and sees the uh, now covered hole. And he's like, oh, a hole. Sounds good. And then we get a cut to him driving away as Glenn and Terry are on the way back to the house. We don't have to get the math done for us to understand that Eric, being the dipshit he is, decided to drop the dog corpse into the hell hole. So, he didn't patch the hole up, though. So He didn't patch the hole up. I thought he cut. Didn't he like fill the hole in and made it look really nice? No, because the hole has the door on top of it. Oh, you're right. So he went over there. He opened the door to the treehouse thing, chucked the dog corpse in and shut it. Probably didn't even notice that the hole goes all the way down. He just thought he he just thought he figured it out. No, Eric. Eric is an idiot. Like, I don't. Al can do better. Well, she does. She eventually uh, dates Patrick Wilson. So good for her. Um, (laughs) What is it? They go. They go out to uh, Terry's reading list, like really metal sounding incantation that's meant to seal the gate and prevent the old gods from emerging. Uh, Al arrives at the end of it because they're doing it like out by the gate. Uh, And this is where we get like a really cool and like unexpected twist. Uh, Rather than going to the beach, uh, Al had uh, used her money to buy a rocket and decides that she'll do a rocket with her brother and Terry instead rather than going to the beach. So you start to get the feeling that, oh, man, like this, their relationship might be on the mend. Um, yeah, she seemed like a good sister. Yeah, I, I think so. Like, I think that's like one of the themes of the movie is that they're going, they're getting some distance in their relationship. But that is, is cool that she came back. Um, and then Terry is reading more about the gate stuff while uh, Glenn and, and Al are doing rocket things. Um he he reads that the demons would need uh, two human sacrifices. Um, and the only thing that would stop them is something with the what white 
the pure something of pure love and pure light or something like that is basically what he says. Um, it doesn't seem like Glenn was paying attention to him, but later on we find that Glenn very much was paying attention to him. Either way, they launch the rocket. It's successful. Glenn's happy. It seems like things are good. Uh, anyways, cut to nighttime. Uh, Al's friends have arrived. Uh, they're going to do it's well, specifically the Lee sisters. When mm-hmm. I say friends, sometimes it's like the group of guys and this time it's uh, just the Lee sisters. And um, and again, the, they're like unexpectedly mean to Glenn because he's like, yeah, we're here to do a slumber party and you're not invited. It's like, well, he lives there, so uh, he doesn't have to go to the slumber party to be invited in the house. That's where she like, you know, drops a R word. Yeah, right. It's like, ugh. it's like, I mean, again, it was the 80s. And like when I was a kid, we said that not realizing <laughs> that, that that would not be that that was not a OK thing to say. Um, but in any case, uh, so she's back on my shit list. She was okay when she uh, <laughs> called out Glenn for saying, for saying an F slur, but like now she's like dropping the R's. So I'm like, can't have it. Uh, in the, what is it? They're in the hall. Clo- it's the hall. It's the front closet actually in the great room. Uh, Glenn is, uh, trying to get some stuff. I actually can't even remember what he was trying to get. Um, they're just down there loot <laughs> looting. And I, I put in my notes and Terry is holding Glenn's dad's gun, likely planning for his future as a school shooter. Oh, my God. <laughs> I did put that in my notes and I was like, I wonder if I'll read that when I'm doing the episode. It's like, you can decide if you're going to keep that in. But then I realized, oh, wait, this is Canada where they have mental health care. So he might just get the, the help he needs before he becomes a danger to society. I didn't know where this movie was going to go. Um, yeah 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 so he's definitely definitely a pretty troubled kid um oh and then glenn finds the uh thunderbolt the rocket right is still there meaning his sister didn't throw it out which is another like one of those glimpses that like because that's kind of the back and forth here is his sister will do something really nice for him but then she'll be hanging out with her friends who are really mean to him and it's just like this back and forth like push pull of like whether or not their relationship is is working out or if it's, it's problematic, you know? Um, but the noise of them like rooting around in the, in the, uh, closet, uh, brings Al and the Lee sisters to investigate, uh, who now use the F slur in regard to Glenn. Well, they, they use an adjective version of it, which is like, again, ladies, like you were all right earlier. And now you're, now you're just, you're, You've become the thing that you wanted to destroy. Right. Um, it's just like some weird back and forth of like them insulting each other in true 80s fashion. Although I did like the one Glenn said, which was like, what, suck my nose till my head caves in? Yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was really good. It's like, all right, Steven Dorf. Like, what are you doing? Now, I, I kind of, part of me wishes that was ad-libbed. I mean... I don't know with yes, it probably wasn't, writing, but, but man, writing was... as sharp as that. His delivery was on point though. Cause I wasn't ready for that. I, I laughed at that. Um, so the next scene, uh, uh, Glenn is playing with Thunderbolt and he's hanging out with Terry. I think they're in his room now. And he asked Terry, if he ever wanted a brother or sister, uh, to which Terry says no. And then we're on to the next scene. That was the point of that scene it was just for him to ask if Terry ever wanted a brother or sister. And Terry's like, nah, man. All right, cool. Uh, Al, <laughs> yeah. 
uh, Al, uh, Al's friends are asleep, uh, but she seems to be having trouble sleeping. Um, so she's like stirred awake, uh, which is going to come become important later on. Uh, Glenn is now reading the demon book and he's seeing all these entries for important figures. Uh, he sees the entries for the little tiny demons that we're going to see later, uh, which I've referred to before and will continue to refer to as the, the homunculi. Uh, cause that's basically what they look like to me. Little homunculuses. Uh, mm-hmm. and then he sees uh, a picture of the dark master, which is, uh, a giant demonic creature that is the ruler of these other little demonoid dudes. Um, so Terry had pointed him out earlier, but we hadn't gotten the, I, the name of him, which is the dark master, which it actually says in the book. And, uh, I think it, that, what is it? Um, Glenn says something to Terry about it or tries to talk to Terry about it, but Terry's asleep. Um, sudden shadow in the hall. There's a demon on the loose. Uh, so we get some silhouettes of the demon stuff doing, doing some shenanigans. Um, we once again, get the giant moth silhouette. Uh, seen from the outside window through the jar. Uh, but then now it seems like they're also outside the window and they're huge. And that prompts the window shade to like roll up and the bug zappers going at it again, even though he unplugged it. Uh, Glenn goes over and pulls the shade again. It flies open and you know, the moths all over the window busts the window open and monsters just flying all over Glenn. Granted, there's still moths. They're not much of a threat, but you know, that's they broke that window, so take take that. Uh, he runs outside to get Al. Uh, she comes in and sees the devastation wrought by these uh, winged Lepidopterans. And um, <laughs> they is are moths part of Lepidoptera or is that just butterflies? I don't, I don't know. know. I'll issue I'll issue an apology if they're not also Lepidopterans. So they uh, they both are go, go in and try to wake up Terry. <laughs> now, here's a scene. So Terry walks in behind. So you see like Terry, like, oh, like a blanket pulled over Terry in bed. Right. But then suddenly Terry's behind them and says something to Al. Like, hey, what'd you do to your hair? Because like she had their girls were doing makeovers and she had like dyed her hair or something. So what did you do to your hair? And then they like pull the blanket up and suddenly there's a dead, dead Angus. The dog is dead in the in the bed and it's now like bloody and stuff. I'm like, why? Like, how many times do we have to be, like, traumatized by this dead dog? Fucking Eric. <laughs> I just can't believe they put the dead dog there. Granted, we don't have a lot of time to worry about it, because then uh, some monster hands reach out from under the bed and start grabbing Al's legs. Uh, so it's like, what, three monster hands, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, um, shit got real, like, really quick. Oh, yeah. Things went from, like, yeah, zero to 60. As soon as I got that sacrifice, dude. The demons are like turning that stuff up. So, uh, yeah, Glenn and Terry uh, managed to uh, pull Al free of the demon hands. Um, uh, they do while she's getting away. They do manage to like pull the sock off of her foot. I don't know if that'd become important. Like she'd cut her foot later because one of the stretchy hands pulled off her sock. No, it didn't. Maybe this was this like it pulled off the sock. And then that was like the scene that Quentin Tarantino was a second unit director for. He just wanted to get a foot in there. What's up? Um, <laughs> so uh they flee and uh the lee sisters come running out hearing the commotion um so everyone runs to the front door and the lee sisters seem to be on board for something scary happening they don't see anything scary happen yet though but when they open the front door glenn sees their parents returning 
he runs over to hug his dad, but then his dad uh, says like something about him. This was cool. Like, yeah. Being like a naughty boy or something like that. And then starts to like choke him out and Glenn wastes no time, reaches up and like pushes his hands into his dad's face. Which like starts to split apart and spew like white liquid all over the place. Yeah, it and, like wild. the flesh like sloughs off, so it's like a ragged flesh uh skull face, but it releases him, and then the head falls off and then plops onto the ground and then like kind of like sp- like kind of glops over, like like splits open with like goo and been like flesh bits running all over the place i'll remind you this is pg-13 <laughs> like it's it's wild to me that they did that entire series of effects with on a like a pg-13 rated movie uh so yeah that wasn't his dad wait what <laughs> i said that was either a demon or a demon uh illusion probably a bunch of homunculi stacked on top of each other in a trench coat but I only bring this up and I checked this on like a rewatch to mm-hmm. make sure to make sure that the Lee sisters saw that happen. And they did because when they like when Glenn, they're like, Glenn, get back in. We got to run. And then they like they're all screaming alongside everyone else. So I'm like, OK, the Lee sisters definitely saw some supernatural stuff. Um. Oh, and it, whenever Glenn had like put his fingers into his dad's face, his fingers were like covered in parent goo. But when he goes inside, there's no longer goo on his hands. She's like, oh, was it an illusion? You know, was it a dream? That's why, like what you're talking about earlier, is like, oh, the dream, what dreamlike quality of it really stands out whenever it's like not clear if something really happened or not. So all of the doors in the entire house are to slam shut. So the group runs to the kitchen. The Lee sisters are really freaking out, as they should. I feel like that's an appropriate reaction. Uh, so everyone's struggling with the back door. Uh, Al is able to get it open and she heads out to scout ahead for everyone else. Like, Hey, you all stand back. I'll go out and investigate with the flashlight. Um, so when she walks out there, she doesn't really see that she's basically, uh, being approached by a bunch of little homunculi guys. (laughs) And, uh, before I, okay. When I get into this, I guess I should describe them. They're like little tiny sort of sometimes stop motion creatures sometimes they're like force perspective people in suits they have like flesh bodies but they're like fully nude but like it's just like smooth flesh all over with like weird kind of narrow heads and like little like gray eyes and like pointy ears does that sound like a decent way to describe them yeah they they're like i don't know i feel like i've seen these things in other movies but they were like way bigger it's hard i don't know they're like so they're familiar looking i can't i tried to figure out what i've seen these kind of like design before but i could figure it out yes so yeah the the these little homunculi are just like very they're kind of generic looking but also like distinct like i don't know it's really hard to place them yes it does seem like i think i've seen them somewhere before but like no maybe not but yeah so she's starting to get like these dudes are coming at her and there's like more and more of them and she manages to uh so glenn and glenn and um i think terry and glenn both see the little demon dudes that are coming up to her and trying to get her attention without like alarming like the other demon dudes 
But the Lee sisters are trying to find another way out because they're cowards. And they open a window, like a window shade and scream because there's a little demon dude right outside the window. And because of that, that Al looks and sees that like, oh, she's being summoned back by uh, by Glenn and by Terry. So she like runs back in and gets to the house in time and slams the door and talk about an effect. So when she slammed the door, she slammed one of the little demon homunculus dudes yep. arms in the door. And it's like still like grabbing like it's going to do something. It's like, ooh, gross demon hand. It falls off, transforms into a bunch of worms and then swims under the door. <laughs> like, man, talk about good use of like stop motion effects. That looks so good. Yeah, it was incredible. Yes. Uh, and then luckily the uh, the that effect, uh, it was so good. It made one of the Lee sisters faint. <laughs> Cause she saw it happen. So she was the really annoying one. So I'm like, all right, good. But then they have to stop and revive her. You can't just leave her like that. The phone rings and they answer it, but it's the demon voice of the dad uh, yelling that you've been bad. And the receiver catches on fire and the main body of the phone melts, which is a pretty funny thing. And it actually reminds me, do you ever see, do you remember the show? Uh, C lab 2021. Yeah. Mm hmm. There was like an episode. I mean, it was is basically like there's like impending nuclear war or something. And basically a bunch of the C-Lab pods all had their own nuclear weapons. And it's basically like his Cold War thing. Mm -hmm. um, and they one of them is on the phone with like um, the like president of the United States or something like that. And like they know that there's like an impending war, the nuclear war that might happen. And then suddenly the uh, the phone is cut off. It's like, oh, no. Do, do you think that means nuclear war has started? It's like, well, it's either that or the phone just randomly melted spontaneously. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And then they start launching their nukes and it cuts to like the White House. And it's the president and this other dude and a melted phone. He's like, whoa, did you see that? The phone just melted. <laughs> So that's what this reminded me of was that scene. All right. Well, I guess it wasn't that funny to you. No, I was I was coughing. Sorry. Uh oh. <laughs> Anytime I'm like silent, I, it's because I'm muting and coughing. So I I've been coughing a shit ton. So I appreciate. Oh, no, that's fine. Taking the brunt of the. No, I loved the the melting phone. It was it was pretty. I it was pretty good. I liked it. Yeah, I think it was from the Red Dawn episode of C Lab 2021. But yeah, I'm gonna yeah. have to look into that one again. But yeah, this is what I thought about when the phone melted. Um, so Terry, you know, once again, explains that they have to seal the gate, uh, but they have to do it right this time. And Glenn notes that uh, the spells to do it are in the book that's in the basement, because earlier when him and, and Terry were hanging out, uh, they were in the basement. Uh, so it's like, who's going to go down and get it? And it's like, ooh, cut to all of them going down to get it. Um, Al is questioning Terry's knowledge of demonology, even though he's pretty much known everything. And he kind of has like a retort. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm the one like I've read like I've been right all along. Uh, and there's kind of a cool little scene where Glenn sees a picture of the family and everyone. It's like the family picture the mom, the dad, Al and him and everyone but him is covered in blood and like dead. But he's normal. And it's just like a scene that like he doesn't react to it verbally, 
or pointed out and it just kind of is like blinking you miss it kind of thing mm-hmm. um but when they get down there uh what is it terry goes to uh pick up the book um and one of the lee sisters has to get a jab in about like is it because the music is bad or something like uh, which is why the demons are not like the Santafex or Sanctifex group. Uh, but it doesn't matter because as soon as Terry picked up the book, it bursts into flames. Right. So the demons are at full power. Uh, Glenn suggests the use of a Bible that they could read some Bible stuff. Uh, Terry disagrees because he says these guys are older than the Bible. He's like, well, I don't know where you're getting your notes because that seems like it could go either way. Um, and then the Lee sisters finally justify their presence by helping to find a Bible verse to read because they went to Sunday school. So good work. All those Sundays really paid off. Um, so they're on their way to the gate with the Bible. Well, uh, the whole group is, but the Lee sisters over here, Terry, uh, talk about how there's, uh, he brings up again, he brings up a lot, how it's going to take two human sacrifices, uh, to make hell on earth happen. And when the Lee sisters hear this, like, oh, we just remembered that we should probably hang out at the house and keep an eye on things. So <laughs> like, I really thought that that they they were going to be the two because of that because they separated yeah, themselves because they went yes. in. And I'm thinking like, oh my god, are they going to possess these girls and they're going to terrorize the people the whole time? I thought that would have been cool. Yeah, it's like no, we can't be uh, so lucky. Um, so yeah, we get to the uh, so our three main characters get to the gate. It's glowing like the between the slots of wood that are covering it. You can see like the glowing effect, that purple effect, you know, some smoke coming out of it uh, back. Some of those gate moans, I guess I never mentioned it, but a lot of times the gate is like making like a moany, groany noise. Like sounds kind of like wind, but isn't yeah, quite is. wind. Um, it's almost like a demon wind. <gasps> but uh, but yeah, it's and then it's like also kind of like pulling the wood into it, sort of like the gate is up to all kinds of shenanigans. Uh, so as uh, oh for sure oh for sure so as they're reading whatever verse they're reading uh, it seems like it's working because smoke is being absorbed back into the hole um, the the slats of wood get sucked down into it like the the uh, the wall of the treehouse was put there kind of like crumbles inward and gets pulled in um, but even though Glenn keeps warning him Terry moves too close to the edge of the hole and gets sucked into the gate uh, but luckily right now it's more like just a hole. So he gets down there. There's a bunch of homunculi being like, I uh, came to the wrong neighborhood. Um, and they come after him. Uh, one of them just starts biting the hell out of his leg, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Like straight away. Just like, <laughs> yeah, goes it wastes, wastes zero time. It's like, I got him boys. That'll show him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is a pretty cool effect. Cause like Terry's like up and he's trying to like climb out, but they like got his leg and they're like, nah, nah, you're not doing it. But then it's like, I guess these guys have, it's been a while since they've been in a combat scenario because Terry just turns around and starts just stomping the shit out of one of them. And the other ones just like freak out like, oh man, he's stronger than us. Like they just start like, like running around, like panicking because he's like stomping one of them. Um, but yeah, so Terry's trying to climb out and then Glenn starts reading the Bible again. But uh, Terry's like yelling at him to stop because it's upsetting the demons. <laughs> uh, which is kind of a funny situation. And Al and Glenn are, are trying to, you know, d- different methods. Like I think Al at one point is like going down head first into the hole and having Glenn like hold her legs. But then they end up grabbing like a uh, slat of wood and tying a rope to it. 
And then they toss that down to Terry and pull him up. Um, but it, they dropped the Bible at some point. So it's like, I don't remember what Bible verse to read. And like, just read anything. Who cares? So he just uh, goes to the beginning and just starts reading the beginning of Genesis. Yeah, I thought that was good. <laughs> yeah, It's like, well, yeah, why not start on page one? It seems to work. The wind is going crazy. But because the wind is going crazy, it's like blowing the pages apart. So he's like, ah, I can't keep reading this thing. So he just like chucks the Bible into the gate hole, uh, which seems like it's going to work because there's uh, the effect of an explosion and flames that burst forth. And then the gate looks like it seals up and like the ground closes. Um, all three of them are like knocked out. And when they wake up, it, you know, the gate is sealed. So they celebrate and head inside. Um, Al goes ahead first again because she's like constantly uh, going for the scout position uh, and all seems well. Um, but she hears something in the closet and opens it and it's the Lee sisters who scream because they're hiding with in the closet. candles. Oh, yeah. With candles, of course. Like, why not? Which by then the power is back on, right? Because the gate effect yeah. is over. Or at least for now. Spoiler alert. Um, then uh, the, what is it? Then Al notices the front door is open. They all, I think that Glenn notices first that the front door is open. And then Al goes to investigate. But it's just like a trio of teenage guys who jump out uh, and scare her. Uh, then the Lee sister's like, oh, we invited them. I'm like, how? The phone melted. But anyways, she invited them. Um, uh, and this is kind of a funny moment where it's, I put in my notes, it's like, they seem upset with Al that she isn't in the mood to party, even though they literally just bore witness to supernatural phenomena. Yes. They watched a kid pop a demon dad's head. They watched a demon arm turn into worms and scurry away. Like they've seen a book explode into flames because, you know, because uh, what's his name? Terry oh, picked it up. Like they've seen some things. So, uh, but Al, yeah, Al, you know, kicks them out. It's like, get out of here. <laughs> like, I just want to, I just want to rest tonight. And that's kind of like a funny moment, like where they're on their way out. And Eric is talking to one of the Lee sisters and says something like, I guess she's just not ready for me. She's like, shut up. It's like, yeah. good. I'm glad other people are sick of Eric's shit. <laughs> like the dude dropped a dead dog in a hole in their backyard after riding around town with it in the front seat with them. The dude's got problems for weeks. So you think, <laughs> you think Terry's got problems. This dude's got problems. Then we have like kind of a cute moment where Glenn, you know, tells Al that she's better than what Mrs. Vandergrift uh, any day. So it's like, oh, the relationship is getting better. Like they they're really understanding each other again. Terry and Glenn, uh, unable to sleep because of the shenanigans that have occurred, uh, are watching TV and tinkering with the geode. Uh, when suddenly uh, the corpse of a dude just falls out of the wall. Uh, it's the workmen from the wall, Shane. It's from the wall. And uh, right. <laughs> well, then Terry's like, I made that up. Look, yep. This can't exist. Well, that's true, because it's going to rise from its grave and start coming after Terry, you know, and this is like one of those moments for like, choice, you know, <laughs> go for Terry. Yeah. Well, it is kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's like you are my creator and I will destroy you. It's like very Frankenstein vibes, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of a funny scene because this like corpse is just like grabbing Terry and dragging him into the wall. And Glenn is just standing in the corner too afraid to do anything, even though Terry's like, Glenn, Glenn, help. 
Glenn, 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 <laughs> like just yelling for Glenn. Uh, by the time uh, Glenn decides to move, the wall seals itself up. So Terry has been taken. Um, is he dead? We'll find out. Uh, Glenn uh, then runs upstairs. Uh, oh, because they were in the basement. I don't know if I mentioned that. They were in the basement watching mm-hmm. TV and tinkering with stuff. Now he's starting to see some like electrical phenomenon, lights going off and on, flickering, all that. He sees a bunch of sigils painted on the walls of like a bloody hand. It's like a made of blood and it's like hands with eyes in them. So some something's up. Al is in her room getting ready. And I don't know if she sees it in the mirror or not, but like, and this is a cool scene because she's like brushing her hair and like this, the silhouette of the workman is in the reflection. Like his like corpse is like standing there and it like starts to advance, advance on her and then goes invisible. And then Glenn runs into her room right then. So she turns around and then the workman bursts from the mirror. Yeah, so it was like was a cool. really, yeah, that was an awesome sequence. Like excellent pacing the way it like went invisible, right? When she like turned around. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, <clears throat> but Al, again, she's no slouch. She's not going to, she's not going to handle this without, or like take this without a fight. She just grabs her boom box and chucks it at his face, which hits the workman zombie. And you're like, what's that going to do? Uh, here's what it's going to do. It's going to make him uh, fall on the ground and explode into a bunch of homunculi that run around, which is so like such a cool effect because it's literally like a man falls and then just explodes into a mass of tiny demons. Yeah, Glenn and Al obviously don't want to be in that room anymore. They like close the door and try to hold it shut while the little dudes are attempting to come through the door. Um, Al tells Glenn to go get their dad's gun. Well, there you go. Chekhov's gun. We saw the gun earlier. Now it's time to use it. Uh, so yeah, Glenn runs down to the great room to the closet, but he is bitten by what looks like Terry poking yeah. out from a bag. It's like bites demon him Terry. in the hand. Yeah, Demon Terry starts biting him in the hand. I, mean, I guess Demon Terry is better than Dysentery. Am I right? Hey, <laughs> take that uh, waffle house. <laughs> um, but then you know, uh, Al, despite trying to hold the the door from the homunculi in her room hears that there's something going on with Glenn and runs down and stabs zombie Terry in the eyeball with a Barbie. Yeah. It's that right in there, which is another gruesome scene unexpected in a PG 13, probably because it didn't kill him. He's just like, ah, why'd you do it? And then like leaves. Um, but because, uh, you know, Al left her post, the homunculi have escaped her room. And are now looking upstairs from the banister being like, you're next. Al loads the gun. Uh, but in that amount of time, the little dudes um, seem to have uh, stopped trying. Oh, so sh- they shut the closet door and then um, Al starts loading the gun. By the time she gets the gun loaded, though, the, the homunculi seem to have stopped their attempts to get into the closet door. And they're like, yo, what's up? Why'd they stop doing it? The reason is because from behind the coats, it's the workman back from the wall. So apparently a bunch of other uh, little demon homunculi decided to stack up into a corpse man shape. Um, And then Al shoots him in the face, uh, which does take his eye out, but uh, she's knocked down and that's it. It's game over like the The workman has got her by the leg is like dragging her into the wall. You know, Glenn's doing his best, but he's just a little dude. 
he doesn't have the power. Uh, the workman like uh, grabs him and just like chucks him out of the closet. So when he goes back in to try to like stop her from being dragged away, it's too late. Except that he finds a um, he finds a note from his sister concerning the thunderbolt, the, a note that he hadn't seen earlier when he actually found the thunderbolt. Um, and this is when he seems to understand that he knows the secret to winning the fight. He says something like pure light or something like that. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, Oh, he gets it. This is like the, an object of pure love and pure light is the thunderbolt. It's gotta be. Cause why else would he keep bringing it up? So he's running for the stairs. He's going up as like the floorboards in the great room are starting to like get torn up. Um, something's going on down there. Probably gate related. Uh, a bunch of gate sounds, those moans, uh, as he runs up the stairs, just as he gets there, the stairs collapse. So just in the nick of time, uh, he finds the thunderbolt and is preparing to use it to launch into the gate, presumably. Uh, but he is having trouble lighting the fuse, both because he's distracted by the sounds of the homunculi, uh, in the living room below. And, um, he's unable to light the fuse due to the gate wind that keeps blowing around. Stupid gate wind gets us off. I know, right? The gate wind. Uh, and then this is kind of a funny scene. Cause like the homunculi are just like pouring out of the new gate opening that is opened up in their living mm-hmm. room. And they're just like doing like a dance, <laughs> like a, like a cool little dance as they, uh, as the, uh, dark master starts to emerge, this like giant massive, like demon and it's kind of to describe that it looks it has like a similar aesthetic to the homunculi but it's like more like a giant serpent but he has basically what four arms and then another set of arms that are like tentacles below yeah. those yeah and he's then four like, eyes yeah four eyes and like uh I mean, he's kind of like pale and sickly looking so he's pretty cool uh design i would say like definitely not what i would have expected you know well i mean obviously Having seen it many times, I knew, but when I first saw it, it's not what I expected. Um, but yeah, so the dark, the dark master is up there. Uh, he seems threatening. He like grabs Glenn by the arm and is like lifting him up and stuff like that. But then he like takes his one of his hands and puts it like gently onto Glenn's head, like giving him a blessing. So I had a theory about this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think that this dark one is is Glenn's brother in Christ, right? So. Glenn, Glenn was reading him the Bible, you know, and threw it down in the hole. So I feel like this demon comes out. I was like, I'm born again. He's like, gonna like, you know, he's like, I'm going to change my ways. And I pass Glenn on the head. Interesting uh, theory. I don't agree. (laughs) Well, you don't think reading random Bible passages, the demons can change them? No, I I don't think that was what they were trying to do. I don't think. Yeah, I don't actually believe that. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just thought it was funny. He like gets about like past my head. It's like, Oh, my brother in Christ. Yeah, he does. He does like definitely give him like the dark blessing. And then of course, uh, what is it? The, uh, once he drops Glenn, Glenn looks at his hand and now he has an eyeball in it in the hand that the demon Lord was holding him by the dark or the dark master rather. So it's like exactly like those like blood illustrations that were on the wall. And I was actually, and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier is, it seemed kind of weird to me that Glenn is the one that the demon, the, the dark Lord would choose as his like acolyte or whatever. Why when, it was his blood? Well, oh, that's what, but like thinking about like Terry seems like the better fit. Like he's kind of misanthropic. 
He knows all the demon stuff. He knows the lore. He understands this world. But yes, I think that then yeah, I was Glenn's thinking blood. like, oh, but it was Glenn's blood. That it, yeah, Glenn initiated the, Glenn's the, the ritual. Yeah, so it's all about Glenn. It just seems like, well, that's probably good that it was Glenn then, because I think I'm worried about Terry, man. He might have been about it. <laughs> he might have been okay with it. Oh, but then like the dark, the uh, dark master and the homunculi just left. Like, all right, we got an eyeball in this kid's hand. We're done. Uh, Glenn's hearing some rumbling outside and goes to the window to see that hell on earth is starting to emerge, which is basically just like pillars of smoke flying out of the gate and starting to darken the skies, filling the sky with dark clouds as like dawn is starting to near. So like it's not dawn yet, but it's like on the way. So Glenn is like, he's, he's kind of, he's kind of gone through it now. You know, yeah. he's, he has to take a second to lie on the ground. Maybe be like, is this it? Is this all there is? Um, then he hears, um, like a music box playing. And then he sees the doll that was his sister's from, uh, when, uh, she was a kid. And then he starts to yell at the demons be like, yo, take me instead. Uh, or don't you want another sacrifice? How about it? Demons are like, Hey kid, we already did it. You got an eyeball hand. We're done. Dude, we gave like, ah. you this gift. Like what's wrong? Yeah. You got an eyeball hand. What's You're one up? of us now, dude. One of us, but You're finally cool. <laughs> well, he decides because he so he's in his room where the moss had broken the wind, the glass, and he grabs just a shard of glass and just stabs his hand eyeball, uh, which upsets the gate because it yells. But also, it seems like it mostly hurt him because he's got a stabbed hand now. Um, he but because of how torn up his room is, he sees the launch kit that he had tossed behind his bed earlier. Chekhov's launch oh, kit, man. if you will. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, yeah, he goes out to the, the living room like banister. Uh, he can hear Al yelling for help uh, down in the living room gate. I say living room gate because the main gate's still out back, but there is still the one that was just ruined their good hardwood floors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Glenn makes his way down there with the, the launch kit and the Thunderbolt. It's kind of a, a funny scene here because it won't launch. And then he looks at the box and it says uh, requires 2D batteries not included. <laughs> But good. luckily, good luckily, bit. yeah, luckily he has them in the flashlight. So he just like empties them out of the flashlight. Uh, the but the Dark Lord probably summoning uh, that Glenn stabbed his hand eyeball uh, pops back up. He's like, "What are you doing, man? Why are you doing this? We gave you a hand eye." It's like, uh, first of all, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, first of all, how dare you? Second of all, I'm trying to do hell on earth here. You initiated this. Yeah, it's kind of funny if they're like upset about it. Like you did this. You didn't have to do this. <laughs> But Glenn yells happy birthday, Al, and then launches the Thunderbolt, which goes inside of the Demon Lord. And the Demon Lord is like, or the uh, Dark Master, I keep calling him Demon Lord, but it's like the Dark Master. He mm-hmm. grabs Glenn and lifts him up. He's like, you, he's, I've been unaffected by this and I'm going to kill you. But he starts getting affected by the, uh, the pure light and pure love of the gift of rocket power. And it forces him to start to glow like bright white and explodes sending glenn flying out the front door yeah like he would be dead i'm sorry like the way well, he, he flew that out that front hand. he stabbed the eyeball out it's not a demon hand anymore and he know. killed the the evil demon god that gave it to him like how do you i don't know how demon god powers work but so at that point yeah so like there's just like bright light blowing from every window of the house uh, and then it results in like some fireworks exploding 
and they explode above the house. But the fireworks also go into like the dark clouds that were spewing out of the gate and then dissipate them, revealing a sunrise. It's like, ah, yes, good has won. But at what cost? We've lost a sister, a best friend and a dog. But when Glenn goes inside, he sees a smoky devastation of what was once their living room. And here's a scratch from the closet, which is like, oh, no, is a homunculi. But it's Angus. He emerges alive after all the gratuitous dead dog shots. <laughs> we finally get to see Angus alive and well, other than the fact that he is super old and still. Oh, sick. And, oh yeah. Still. Yeah. Like don't hug him too tight. My God. Oh, and then Al and Terry also are alive. They emerge from the closet as well. I think it's funny that Angus is first and then Al and Terry come out. It's like, Hey, yeah, we're alive too. Great. Um, the three go outside and sit on the stoop in the front. Uh, with uh, Terry asking him, oh, so you think they'll notice? Like, talking yeah. about the parents. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding, dude. Like, the place is like a smoking husk of demon power. Oh, Terry. Oh, Terry, you old so-and-so. And then uh, cut to Angus uh, finding uh, Terry's missing shoe. So earlier, Terry had talked about how uh, one of his shoes fell off when he was escaping mm-hmm. the homunculi. And good news, the, the gate also spit out his shoe. So Angus found it. Uh, but it's also next to a new tree that seems to be growing in the place of the old one. Right. Does that mean there's still possibility of gate? Well, yeah, there is this definitely a second gate movie. So apparently three. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, for, for Terry anyway. Yeah. And that is the gate. I think the only thing that would have made that ending scene better is like when he shot the rocket into the, uh, the what you were calling the demon Lord or the dark one. Uh, would be if like Huey Lewis started playing as soon as it blew up. I don't know, like like Power of Love or something. Oh, oh. And then like, like you know, because then like everything's all good now. I don't know. I just feel like some good Huey Lewis would have uh, really wrapped that up with a bow. The only thing that came to mind in my mind was uh, Living in America, but that's actually what Little Richard, and that's from Rocky yeah. Four. So I was way off. But yeah, there we go. 1987's The Gate. We did it. You know what that means? No, what does that mean? <laughs> it's time for Judgment Categories. So in season edition. said that they're not different they're the they same but it's just but october yeah. now they're uh, just like, a little more spooky now yeah it's just it's just in your in your heart that you yeah. know that it just is deep down just like you know <laughs> just really like let it out yep that that devilish duology in mm-hmm. but yeah so uh as uh as we uh our fans will know uh the judgment categories are where we give letter grade to uh, story and writing, uh, acting, effects, music, and cult factor. 
The cult factor being that little X factor that makes movies like this so special. Uh, so story and writing. Um, how are you feeling on this? Do you want, do you want to take um, the lead on it? I, I think like, I don't really know where to go with the writing part of this because, you know, we always kind of struggle with this. It's like, okay, is it more of like the filmmaking or the writing that you take umbrage with, I guess. But, um, I'd go a solid B. Um, I, you know, it, this, it wasn't like super in depth, but like it didn't need to be. And like you said, it's kind of a, like baby's first demon kind of thing. So like, I thought it was pretty cool. It's, it's a little cutesy, but I, I it, it's kind of like one of those things that as you watch it, it kind of grows on you. You know, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I can understand a B, but I feel like I've, so I've seen this movie a lot of times <laughs> and you know, that the more that I watch a movie, the more fond I get of it. And I just really like these, like there's different scenes where they show maybe, um, Glenn reacting to something or, or Al doing something that really feels like there's a lot of depth to the brother sister relationship mm -hmm. and that changing relationship as they're growing up and stuff yeah. like that. And it's all sort of like put against this backdrop of this like dreamlike demonic, like incident occurring. And it's like, yeah, if like you think about it in terms of like maybe the, um, the, uh, lore that they put up is like a little bit shallow, a little silly kind of happenstance the, the way that everything kind of shakes out. But I think at its core, there's like this emotional heart here that in a lot of like schlock movies, you don't yeah. get. And I really think that, that that emotional heart kind of bumps it up to an A for me because I found it like really affecting uh, in a lot of scenes, especially with like between the siblings. Like granted, there were times where I was like, Terry, just someone get this kid therapy, you know, but like at the same time, like even even his struggle, like the way that the way that he was exploited by the demons because of his trauma and stuff like that is like they didn't have to make it that way. And they did. Uh, and I think that like all of the, all of those are really solid choices that give this like an emotional grounding that you don't usually get in this sort of horror movie. That's fair. I'll see. I'll see the A. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you owe me one later because I might need you on another one. So that's fair. All right. All right next up is acting. All right, why don't you lead off? Look, these are mostly young people <laughs> doing their best. Uh, it's not great. It's not, it's not great. Like, um, I would say that probably, and I talk about this with stuff like writing It's like, oh, are these the way that they bicker is the, is that writing or is that acting? Like, what is it that's giving me a problem here? It's like, I don't really always believe like Glenn, the Glenn character. Like, I think that there was like, like, I feel like the Terry character wasn't sure if he was like supposed to be a nerd or supposed to be angsty. Like he was really struggling with his, which, which way to go with his character and stuff like that. And let's be honest, like every teenager, basically other than Al was an absolute garbage performance. Yeah, like insufferable. Yes. And in fact, like even, even though I did like Glenn's performance in regard to his sister and, and like there's those moments of like vulnerability with them, like looking at the pictures of his dog and stuff like that. It's really Al's performance. that is the only standout yeah. one. Like, I really think there's no scene where like, I'm not invested in what she's doing. 
and and stuff like that. So, and I don't think that's enough to give it an A. So I, I think I might have to say B. And it's kind of just one of the caveats of having young performers. Um, we've really come a long way with younger performers, but that's just kind of where I think I'm at a B with that. Yeah, I could live with a B. I I think um, you know, the her friends were like, I see where you're coming from, but they played such a like a minimal part in the movie. The um, I thought the scenes between the annoying sisters and Glenn like bickering, I thought was good. You know, honestly, what it almost seemed like they were his sisters. Yeah, and what kind of lost me a little bit was like Glenn's obsession with the rockets. And like, I know, again, this is probably more of a writing thing, but I know they wanted to set up like that's going to be the big kill at the end, right? Um, oh, and like how telegraphed it was. Yeah, but I, I think it's just like he's a young actor like i mean what they're young people and look i'm not an actor so you know i can't really say like i would have done any better but yeah i think the young performers kind of really hurt the movie a little bit but um i also appreciate that they didn't have like 22 year olds playing 15 year olds so um it's kind of that's also it's true. a give and take yeah, that's like you know? <laughs> that's jarring in another way as we've talked about yeah like yeah it really is so yeah i could live with a beat yeah, I, I think one of the things that kind of salvages like the rocket stuff for me, and this is kind of going back to writing and I don't want to backtrack, but is that we have those moments with the notes, right? Like where like the notes kind of communicate this like level to their relationship and yep. to what the rockets mean to their relationship, which is what makes it useful against like the demons and stuff like that. And I don't know if the performances do enough to help with that if you have to lean on prop work to help get Correct. it across yeah i yeah yeah but this next one y- you tell me what you're thinking on effects because i have a th- i have thoughts i i thought that there were so many cool things but for every cool thing there was a like kind of lame thing um i liked the the construction worker the wall like how the wall was like ripped open then it wasn't I like the mirror. The mirror scene was crazy. Um, you know, the person under the bed, that was real. That was really well done. Um, I didn't like the dark one. I did, but, what? but at the same time, I did like the homunculi little dudes. Um, I thought that was kind of fun. The scene where he like kills his dad, basically in the front lawn. Yeah, where he pops his face. Yeah, yeah so, that was a grizzly. I don't know. That's what I was going to say. I thought there was more hits than misses. but Well, know. this is kind of where I was going to ask for your help here because I I want to go A, but I, I kind of like I'm leaning B, but what this is where I need you on this. All right. So was the dark one, was that practical or was that CGI? Oh, that was, uh, that was stop motion. Okay. That was full then, on stop motion a. animation. That was a that was a model. Then a. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine with that. See, that's what I was gonna say. Is the only effects that I didn't care for actually were the dead dog ones. And you know what? I get it. Like we don't need yeah, a I realistic mean, a dead dog in the it, movie. Yeah, it's what are, what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's either a dude in a suit for that one scene, or it's just like a dummy. Yeah, what do you? Which is what would like the the fakeness of that though does make the scene with Eric driving around with him in his shotgun like kind of jarring. But yeah, but like like what you said like especially with reading about like how those effects were done. It's like uh, the, the almost all the homunculi effects were um, either stop motion 
or or in and for the dark master were all stop motion or uh forced perspective but with real people so some of those scenes where like the homunculi are running around those were p- real people but they were done in a way that it just looked like they were little until the times where they didn't interact with like full grown people and then they had to actually use like stop motion and like you'd be hard pressed to even tell when they switch them up you know because of how well they did those effects yes and it's like and it's the same with like the dark master like he's like fully like stop motion animation like model and everything like that so i could Um, tell with the little guys when it when it was switching and the reason i asked you like if it would have been cgi i would i would have gone b um i i had trouble telling that that was a stop motion like puppet or model oh yeah the work they did this the stop motion work they did yeah, was incredible so. yeah so it was like it was like stop motion animation uh forced perspective with people wearing rubber suits with uh relation to the the camera because at this time like it actually would have been it would have been cost prohibitive uh to use cgi right like it was actually cheaper for them to do yep. these like camera tricks yep. and stuff like that and then you know the the fact that he <laughs> popped his dad's face and just like goo is pouring out of yeah. it and then his head fell and exploded on the ground which is my, my vote it's like for how did they get a the pg-13 <laughs> oh fair enough i mean i don't know what other, what else oh yeah we we didn't say that yeah we had to well, go back. Only well, okay well i had another one but let, let's right. get into let's finish right. the judgment right, categories going. and then we'll do that between this and the in the d roll so good. yeah because we did forget to do it and then you did you know. forget but yeah, so I but for me effects I've got to say A, considering that they're all practical effects. And for a low budget movie, hold up really, really well. Oh, that model is unbelievable of the um of the dark one or whatever it was called. Yeah, the dark, dark master. master. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is like a six million dollar movie. Like this is not a very expensive movie. No. Yeah, I mean it looked amazing. So you'll go it, A yeah, on and effects? the set destruction was really good too. They did a lot of they did like the 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 gates were CGI, obviously. So, like, not you know, what are you gonna do? But, um, but the house destruction was really well done. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, there's a lot of stuff that they were doing that were like practical effects stuff. So, yep. All right, cool. Yeah, then it's we got an A on effects. You heard it here first, folks. Um, next up, music. And as always, I'll let you take the lead on music because I'm not a music man. You no. Know, I, I I don't know if it was the mood I was in when I watched this. This is totally, I don't want to say for, not forgettable, but like it was good. I mean, it wasn't bad. I wasn't sitting there thinking like, this is trash. But I, I also didn't walk away from it thinking like, oh, that music was fantastic. You know what I mean? Like it fit very well. But I, I, yeah. I don't, there's like nothing that's so, like killer clowns. Like that shit stands out to you. Um, oh yeah, those are bangers all but day. But like the, but the Foley work and the sound work they did with like the bug zapper was really good. Um, the house getting destroyed was really good. Um, I think the, the effect of having, I know this is like super easy to do, but it just, it's the little things like the having Terry stuck in the wall and you can hear him through the wall. Like that was a very cool effect. Um, I, so like, you know, I'd say the music, I'd give it a B, but I think the extra mile they took to do some of the things that they did, um, like the lightning striking the tree in the beginning was very good. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'd say B or A. I, I, I'd go probably wherever the wind's blowing strongest for you. I'd go that direction, but, but 
Um, I was actually leaning a little bit more towards yeah. B. Uh, I think that the music is doing what it wants to do, which is it has like that. I said earlier, like that dreamlike yeah. quality, which does make it kind of fade to the back, but it is kind of what it wants right. to do. So it's, it's like, bad. it's just, it's hard to, yeah, but it's also like, I'm not going to, you know, run out and see if I can get this soundtrack anywhere, <laughs> you know? Um, but I hadn't even really put a lot of thought into the, you know, the other sound work of everything else. And as you were talking about it, it's like, I don't disagree with anything you've said. And I actually think that one of the things I did enjoy was the gibbering of like the yeah, little homunculi. So that was really funny. Like, yeah, they made a lot of funny noises, but man, up until like things really start ramping up, there's just that random, like groany yeah. moany noise coming from there. And I'm like, what is right. that? Like, it sounds like a, derpy wind or something like, i didn't even know what it was supposed to be so that kind of brings it down a little bit for me so i i think i, I think i would probably say That's b fair. i wouldn't be opposed to a because of the other stuff you brought up but i really do think that it's just it's not that it's b because it i don't like it it's just b because it didn't have anything that really stood out if it had like a banger since a monkey lied again sorry what was that if it had like a banger synth track i think it would have pumped it up a, a letter grade for me oh for sure so oh every yeah. time yeah, anytime they do that, it's like, hey, go back in time to the 80s, put more synth yep. tracks in there. We want to hear them. All right. Well, then I guess our last category is going to be the cult factor, that X factor that makes these movies so special. And yeah, I start um, with this one because I, I don't know where to go. I'm, I'm a little torn. Uh, Here's the thing. I really love this movie. I think that it's got like. You know, it's low budget, but it's like practical effects work. And I think that it is. See, here's the thing is like, I don't want. I think that sometimes whenever I talk to people about these horror movies, they think it's, oh, it's yours kind of a gore hound. Or like you're just out here for like the sick kills or like the like all these like things It's like, no, no, no. Like a movie can be like this, like relatively tame in a lot of ways, but have a lot of like really strong themes and like uh, some interesting character relationships and then just some solid practical effects. Like, and that's enough for me to recommend it. Like, yeah, maybe for somebody who's like a, a hardened horror hound, they might not think of it that way. But I, I don't know. I, I really think that this is just one of those that like, if someone's looking at, you know, something that they want to watch, maybe for somebody who isn't as into the horror genre, like something that's like a nice little uh, opener or gate to the horror community. This would be like a really good one to go for. Like, I really think it is a, a strong recommendation. And I think there's some tense scenes some interesting stuff going on so i have to say a i just have to yeah i'll go a i just so, some of the stuff just kind of didn't hit I and mean, probably because you've seen this more like you're, you're feeling more impacted by it um i saw some of the stuff that you were talking about and i didn't it just didn't hit me on a level that it must it hits you at um i don't think it detracts from the movie i just think that um I mean, we knew coming into this, you're like, I'm way more on this movie than you are. So, you know, I, I really think that, um, I think A's fair. It's, it's a great movie. It's got, it's got some pretty decent star power. Um, it's an interesting premise. It's a, it's a good time, right? You're not sitting there like, please God, make this movie end. So yeah, I'll go A. I appreciate you giving me that one. I hope that over time you'll only grow to appreciate the gate more as you're forced to watch it for eternity. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Every year. <clears throat> but, 
But now to like backtrack a little bit, we did not bring up our McMurder of the movie, which uh, you said you had to vote for that one already. Yeah, that dad kill scene was pretty good. I don't know what, or I guess like him murdering that dog thinking it's his mom. I didn't see, I didn't pick that up the first time I saw it. I thought the dog was already dead and he just, the demons made it seem like it was his mom. Nope. He crushed it to yeah. death. And okay. So Is that it? That was what I was going to say was the dog kill. And the only reason I bring it up is because it's not like that. He kills the dog is like, oh, no, the dog died. It's like, and now Eric's going to drive it around town. And now the demons are going to put it in their bed. It's like, how many times are you going to hit us in the face of this dead dog? Which literally like any person who ever watches any movie ever is like, do not kill the dog. And this movie's like, oh, no, no, we're going to kill it. And you're going to see it again and again. You're going to like it. Come on. So I do agree with the dad face thing. There's something so gratuitous about like the use of the dog corpse that I just like keep going back to. Yeah, I'll go. So with the dog. I, I, I'm cool with the dog. I just I feel like I keep making it come my way in these things. And I definitely agree with you that the dad kill was so solid. But he also might have just been a pile of homunculi and just like ran around later. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, we that's the thing, too. Like. But yeah, it's like even I, so I wrote it down before we recorded. So me like you helping me come to the realization that Terry killed that dog like uh, that completely changes my perspective of that scene, <laughs> Um, uh, which is, yeah, pretty wild. So, so we're, we're going to be a bunch of sickos and yeah, go with the dog laugh maniacally at that dog getting <laughs> fucking like spun dude, around the dance know, floor I, to death, you know? I feel like a psycho for laughing at it, but it's only because I knew how many more times that the movie's like, oh, no, no. You think you're done with dead dog? <laughs> you're not done with dead the, dog. The sir. animal shelter scene was wild. It's just like he just pans over, just fucking sitting there. It's like, what the? Yeah, when they release, like, oh, bad news, buddy. Yeah. Looks like we're out of luck. He turns and there's the dog in the, the oh, passenger seat of his looks car. Looks like you're partying with me this weekend. <laughs> That's that what I mean. Funnier. He's going to weekend at Bernie's his dog. Yeah. Instead, he just put him in like a hole in the backyard. He's <laughs> just like, all right, my work here is done. This would be a solid movie to parody. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, we, we got our McMurder done and we're a bunch of sickos. We're about to get canceled. So let's make it count. Um, and then what was. Oh, yeah. Our last thing. Speaking of dog, our next thing is the D roll. dog starts with d see i get it <laughs> so as listeners know there's not nearly enough categories in this thing so we have another category that is our d roll where we will slot it into one of uh four potential spots is it a cult classic a b movie grindhouse or trash which hopefully trash doesn't happen but you never know you do never know it's not like we don't pick these ahead of time 
Yeah, it's not like it's like we just say we, into a it's hat. like we vehemently screen these for like weird things before we uh, talk about it in public <laughs> forum. So nope. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Why don't you kick it off? I, I think I know where you're going to be at, and I and I'm probably there too. But yeah, I mean, everything I've been saying all along, everything I said for Cult Factor, I think is still there. I think this is cult classic. Um, I could see the I could see a case for B movie to be made. Um, but. I just, I, really can't. I just simply love, I just simply love all of those like little homunculi dudes running yeah. around, like doing all their weird actions. Like all of those, like, like forced perspective shots are so interesting. And like the, like when one of his hand just turns into worms and crawls away, when one of them is like in the form of uh, the workman and just falls down and explodes into a homunculi and they're just running around. Like, it's just so many interesting shots in this. Like I can see why someone would be like, oh, it takes too long to get to those. It's like, yeah, that's called story, dude. Not every scene can be just nonstop homunculus action. So, yeah, I'm going to have to say cult classic on my end. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I don't think you can make a case for this being a B movie. Um, It, it was way too successful at what it wanted to do. So I, I'm, I got to go cult classic. Well, sir, it appears that we are in agreement. <laughs> we have an accord. All right. Well, I don't know what I was doing with that, but the dark one will be pleased. Yeah, the dark master is pleased. Um. All right. Well, that's the gate, and that is the first half of our special October spooky season event, the Samhain season devilish duology. Ooh. Oh, that was probably a good way for me to segue into talking about what our next movie. Yeah, is, you should go it? for it. Well, this is a pretty important movie for us because this is our first movie can I say it? that is officially what can i say it when you're done with this what do you want to say can i say the movie name oh yeah yeah i'll yeah. let you say it yeah go ahead keep the, going <laughs> this is our first movie after all letting it build all of the times that we have said or you specifically have said sometimes 70s sometimes 90s this is our first official movie to come out in the 90s. That's right. In July of 1990, this movie came out. Um, and I know some people are like, but Warlock is like, no, no, no. We explained. Warlock was 89. It came out in the US in 91. Doesn't count. This one's official. This is the official release date. Uh, now, Shane, what what uh, what movie is this? 1990 film? My turn. It is. Okay. We're going to watch Demon Wind. <laughs> so close. <laughs> so close. <laughs> Uh, do you want to do you want to say the right one or is this just a bit? Oh, uh, hold on. Oh, my bad. Hold on. Write it down. Yeah. yeah okay, Wait. No, this. it's no, spelled the same. This. I got this. I got this. I got this. I got this. All right. All right. Intro me again. Give me in. Pump me I up. Have to do that whole thing again? No, no. Just like the end part. Oh, oh, oh. And that movie that came out in 1990 is Demon Wind. <laughs> uh, you put the emphasis on the wrong <laughs> syllable. Uh, it's Demon Wind. It is Demon Wind. You schmuck. <laughs> yeah, it's Demon Wind. Demon Wind, which our listeners can find on uh, Tubi, uh, the Roku channel, Shudder. Um, I'm showing it on AMC Plus, but I find it hard to believe somebody would have AMC Plus and not Shudder, considering that they're both basically the same company. So yeah, so uh, it's available. It's out there. It's weird, and it's pretty... I won't get in 
I won't get into prejudgments. That's I can't wait. Like, There's so many memes from this movie. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> I, I can't wait for this. I'm so excited. Yes, let us experience this together as we continue our journey through the Samhain season and the devilish duology. Uh, How many times do you think we're going to, over the next three weeks, do you think we're going to say that word? Or which the, one? Samhain all, season all, or the devilish whole, Yeah, duology? I guess the whole kit and caboodle, like the whole... The Samhain season devilish yeah, duology? I've said it at least 20 times. And I probably have never said those words together in my entire life. <laughs> That's why it's fun to invent things like yeah. that. So you have to say them and also post them on social I media. Know. Making, making graphics and doing, doing all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, you're doing the heavy lifting on that. I just get to repost or add to my story depending on what I'm on. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. So like Instagram is very foreign to me, so I don't really understand. And I end up double posting stuff, but um whatever but uh yeah check us out on instagram we're at the dark side drive-in um we're also on twitter um i think at the same handle and we are also again gonna make a facebook um probably a reddit eventually i don't know let us know uh, where you want to talk to us any feedback helps we love it reviews share it with a friend um yeah i i think uh i think that about does it for me this week <laughs> I hate to correct you, but you were correct that uh, the uh, Twitter or the not that the Instagram is the dark side driving. But yeah, that yeah, my this bad. is at dark side driving yep. for for Twitter. So no, I didn't I didn't want to correct you, but we got to Elon forgive us. He never will. Yep. Yeah, Twitter is going to like but, uh, literally implode probably sometime soon. So I know that's why it's wild to keep plugging our like social media account there. It's like, and when will they start to charge us to use it? <laughs> we will find yeah, out soon. So cool. Well, uh, that's all I had. Do you have anything else? Uh, no. Um, I do hope to get done with the. That's why I actually meant to bring this. I don't know if I did bring this up earlier, but whenever you're talking about like, oh, I'm working on that merch store mm-hmm. is like, you don't have to worry about, uh, apologizing about not having merch ready until I finally write those reviews that I've been talking about for like a calendar month. So yeah. Probably longer than that. Either. You know, like the books at the Crypt Keeper has in Tales from the Crypt, like on his like shelf. I <laughs> yeah. feel like that's where your reviews are. Just like chilling there with cobwebs. I sent them straight yeah. to him. It's just like, throw these in there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So cool. <laughs> well, I've been Shane. Hey, and I've been Stefan. Keep it spooky. Keep it I didn't like that one. Let me try another. Keep it.